Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode, another week of Do Go On, a podcast with me, Dave Warnicky, and you, the listener, but also rounding out the trio plus one, you are the plus one, it is Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Perkins. Yay. Hey, welcome to the show, Jess. Thank you, Matt. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. That's good. Yeah, I feel real good. Yeah, real good uh, being here today. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, without notice, admittedly, so I don't have a pre-prepared answer, but I'll have a, I'll have a stab at it. What was it again? I'm, I think I've, I've just in one ear out the other. What was? Hit me again, and I'll give you. I'll give you an answer. Let's see how we go. And action. How are you? Pass. Oh Sorry. no! <laughs> Fuck! Say line. Oh, line. Say good. Good. Excellent. All right. And All right. And and okay. Thank you. Well, um, we'll let you know if you've got the part. Yeah, of thank Matt you. Thanks the so much for We've me. got thanks. your details. Thanks so, for um, having me in anyway. It's don't been... call us, we'll call you. Okay, great. Oh, that sounds that sounds positive. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to save me 40 cents. Thank you so much. much <laughs> oh my cost? goodness. <laughs> great. Something. Yeah, all right. No, that's good. I feel good. Do you mind if I hang in uh, for the rest of the Ooh. 
Oh. Because I thought um, maybe as you see other people, I could maybe give them feedback. Oh, or... that'd be weird, wouldn't it? Um, and no. very intimidating for them. <laughs> oh, uh, this sure. is Matt. He's also auditioning for your role. He just wants to watch you <laughs> to see if he's... If you're better than him. No, no, that's not that's not at all what I would be doing. I'd be helping them out. You know, I'd give them notes like, ugh, have a bigger beard and <laughs> ugh, speed dopier sounding. You mm-hmm. know, stuff about Those how to get to the top. Yeah. Top you, of the game, top you, of the pile. You were auditioning for the role of uh, beardless hunk. Yeah. <laughs> have a bigger beard. So I'm confused. Be dopier. Be dopier. Yep. Be less of a hunk. Mm-hmm. If you could be a little more ugly. Yeah. That would help the role. I had an audition uh, earlier this week, Ooh. which sounds interesting, but it actually isn't. But the, the thing that reminded me is that the, it was me and a guy auditioning together, and he was very good looking. Mm. Like, he was, a, he was very cute. I know that we shouldn't do this, but out of 10. Oh, like an eight. Wow. So similar to Matt, in between a Matt and a Dave? Yeah, that sounds that's right. In between, meaning I'm either a nine or a 10. <laughs> Wait, that's not how eight works, Dave. <laughs> He's no, no. the numbers guy. He, no, he's in between Matt and Dave. So you're a seven. Theoretically, he's an eight. Wow. And that would make Wh- me a Why nine. did you just decide Matt's a seven? And why did, what happened with the ten? Anyway, I'm sure you were wrong there. Yeah. It was either a seven or a nine, Dave, and you said a nine or a ten. Look, we're Very getting confusing. bogged down. Look, if in I'm the above him games. and he's an eight, I could be a nine or a ten. Oh, yeah, right. Comedically, I'm not a ten, and right. that's the joke here. Look, but Jess, wh- please go on. <laughs> Oh, that, that's why it didn't compute with me, because I'm it like, was, yeah, obviously, well, where's the comedic. joke? <laughs> so, of course, you didn't get it. It was more that, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, if it was going to be comedic, it'd have to be some sort of unrealistic Something. stretch. Again, this is a situation where Dave has a pre-prepared comedy <laughs> and answer. And Matt's got a pre-prepared. <laughs> Dad, you brought that in. <laughs> <laughs> we discussed it before you got here. Okay. But Matt well, goes, oh, I mean, wow, this is an interesting question. Yeah, uh, and Matt's gone, hang on, just let me look at the data on this yeah. before I get back to you with a final Now, so, I mean, taking all the variables. I um, was taking that very seriously when Matt, we were starting to... Talk about a hot guy, which I'd love to talk about. Yeah. No, oh, Matt, anyway, he's a hunk. So he's, he's, he's TV hunk. ugly. Uh, is it one of those roles? Whenever I've gone in for a few that are like <laughs> supposedly some sort of an ugly character, and yeah. then you go and I've heard other people talk about this. You go in and they're like, it's an ugly guy too. Yeah, for an ad or something. You go in and you're sitting in the waiting room at the casting yeah. agent, and it's no one else is ugly. Yeah, yeah. Like, these guys aren't ugly. Hey, you're do not you want ugly. ugly or do you want ugly? No, they want TV ugly. Which they, is beautiful. they don't want. They don't want ugly. They don't want ugly. No, this guy was not TV ugly. He was TV. Fine. Oh. TV fine. He wasn't a McDreamy. What are we talking, Hugh Jackman? No. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point was that he was not a great actor. Okay. So but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter because he's so good looking. Thank you. But I was a better actor than him, but I'm average looking oh. and also was oh, Jess, playing a... Come on. That's What's very this? on the no, show no, no, for no, no, fishing. No, no, no. Right. I'm not fishing. No, I'm not talking. Do you, do no, you, want, I do you want gross tweets? I want you to shut up. Are you asking for sleazy tweets or... Because you've just... What you've just done is go, hey, everyone out there, any sort of... Oddballs, oddballs in their quiet, dark basement bedrooms underneath their mum's house. Just send me Tell a tweet. Tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going to happen. It's absolutely happen. do not do that. Do not tag me you into those tweets. That. <laughs> Please don't tag me in. I don't want to see it. Okay, now it's happening and now you're getting tagged in. <laughs> oh, fuck. You fucking idiot. No. Don't tag Dave in. Oh, don't fuck. I was going to be fine. No one was going to take me unless they were going to tell me if I'm, am I a nine or am I a 10? That's the question I'm Yeah, wondering. okay. Yeah. Is it nine or 10? Answer that, but don't talk to me. <laughs> don't talk to me. So, Ever again. Because he was not a great actor and you were a great actor, are you thinking uh, that again, you won't get cast, but he will? 
I wasn't saying that I was a great actor. I was saying that I was better than him and he was bull- oh, I'd like he to was go to bad. the tape. I think, I think I heard I the phrase I great actor. I said I was better. I think she even said great actor. I've forgotten the point of what I was saying I now. don't think there was one. No, the point no, is... It was just a brag that I had an audition. <laughs> the point is, for acting, you're a 9 or a 10. For looks, I'm a 9 or a 10. And for statistics, Matt still has to look at the record because yeah. he's not sure he's yet. He's not sure. No. Oh, so wow. Can we get those numbers? Yeah, I'll, I'll get them. I'll get, get them my on people, my desk. My people to call your people. Thank you. You have a desk? Of course I do. Fuck. You're successful. Yeah. Do you have a desk? No. There we go. Yeah, you you don't. <laughs> you do, Jess. I know. Here. I have two. I have one at home. You're sitting too. at one right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. I've no, got heaps of true. desks. I'm sitting at a table. You love the desks. What? I was going to say you love the D, like it was a oh, D for sure. desk, but then I bailed on it because... It would have sounded it's worse. Sound. Can you please edit that out? No. Nah. Sorry. Hey, speaking of desks. <laughs> yes. If I may. We actually haven't talked about this. We're doing the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Sh- our shows are next month. How are we going to set that up? Are we going to be uh, sitting at a table? I was thinking that too. I, I, was, I was picturing just, uh, you know. Armchairs. Three or four Bean chairs. Beanbags. On the stage. Handheld oh. mics. Beanbags would be oh, cool. Handheld. But what about the person doing the report? Yeah, the report. Because usually we sit. On the lap. Well, otherwise you've got a mic right in front of your face. What's the point of going to see someone who you can't see their bloody face? Yeah, I reckon handhold's fine. Especially if you're a nine or a ten. <laughs> True. And we are? No, Davis. Oh, okay. no, I am. You're right. not, you, well, you'll be acting, obviously. So that'll be oh, a nine yeah, or okay. a ten, apparently. <laughs> Matt will be looking at the stats. I'll be, look, I'll be collecting data as we go. <laughs> when did that happen? When did I become the data <laughs> guy on the become... show? But it's going to be weird sitting... Because I, I am technically sitting next to you now, but we're in a round table, so I can see you very clearly. Maybe we could do it in the round. Theatre in the round. Yes. That'd be great. Yes. So Jess is at the, what, front of the audience. Obviously. Matt's on a flank and I'm on a flank. That's, well, you've got to give the people and, what they want. And up the back we have some sort of sound and light show. I don't mind that idea. I don't mind that idea at all. We just sit in the audience. Yeah. Anyway. Just have a chat with our mates. You know, we can probably figure that out in our own yeah. time. Yeah, ask the question, oh, great Jess. Call. This is the show where one of us does a report on a topic, and this week it is JP, JP. Bop the Perkins. Big, the big bopper. The big bopper's here. Don't you worry. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I know. We were padding. You were looking. <laughs> is she here yet? Is she here? Hang on, keep padding. Let's roll another clip from a previous episode. <laughs> um, so this week I have dipped into the golden hat. Um, so for a, a select group of our Patreon supporters, um, they get to make a suggestion that we have to pick. We have to. Too bad, so sad. We have to. <laughs> We're contractually obliged. Yeah, in, in many ways, yes. And yeah. sometimes it has been too bad, so sad. But we did it. <laughs> we did it. We did it. That's right. So this week I've dipped into the hat and uh, and this is going to be quite a fun topic. I will start with a question. Um, I love a fun topic. Yeah. What's going to be? Yeah. It probably will. There could be backlash. That's also fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Will Matt be the good guy and will I be <laughs> never, the bad guy? Never. Um, I'm always the heel, Dave. You know that. And he's the face. Yeah. You listened last week. I remember things. <laughs> a lot of great tweets about the wrestling episodes. So thank you everyone for those. Mm. Um, yeah. I think I'm a I'm a I'm a, a smart mark now. Is that right? A smart mark. Yeah, they're the ones oh, who shit. the fans who were something. Yeah, 
they're, they're cool people. It turns out we've got a lot of Smart Mark fans. Cool. Well, let me or, just say... So fans made me feel gross. All right, I'm going to be the Listen. guy... I'm going to be the guy that makes a schmoz, so you don't have to talk about this anymore, Matt. And, and I kept saying schmoz, and yeah, it is schmoz, isn't but it? we told you it was schmoz, yeah. and you still said I'm schmoz. Like, no, I think I, I think I understand this one. Anyway, that was you last week. Go Let's back and This is this week. Let's move on. To the Montreal Screwdriver, if you Do want to hear more on. about that. <laughs> to move on to this week. Uh, so my question for you, gentlemen... And once again, we've been doing this for 73 weeks. This is 73, I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a very good year. I should, be, I should be more prepared and write questions, but recently I just keep forgetting to write them. So I'm padding. I'd like to think <laughs> recently, I think if you go back to every episode you've ever hosted. No, early I wrote them. Okay, maybe. And I tried to throw you a like a bit of a curveball. Oh, look, I'm just I reckon just start a sentence and end it with an upward inflection. Well, let's see what well, happens. That's just a, the Australian accent. Is it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was an excellent that question. question. That was a question. <laughs> um, I guess that's probably Yeah, a good that's point. not a bad point. <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay, so what is <laughs> good the wackiest? Okay. Religion. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So I once did a comedy festival show with um, great friends and fellow. Oh, fellow. Fellows. Ooh. Fellow fellows. Uh-huh. But also the fellowship of Planet Broadcasting. Yes. Andy Matthews from Two in the Think Tank and yeah. Adam Knox from the Filthy Casuals yes. podcast. Uh-huh. We used to do a show Crossover. called the World Record Show where we broke made up world records. Sometimes there'd be like... Fake fake records, so we do pretend we were going to do the record. So we did cheer for the world's worst religion. Oh, great! We just put the names of religions on the screen, <laughs> but people started taking it really seriously. Oh, of course, so we had to bail like three religions in because it looked Wait, like. How does it take it? Ser- how do you take it seriously? Because people started like cheering, and I I could tell you the ones that people were cheering for. Because yeah, I'm go, thinking, go on the wacky. Well, the one that got the because they're all they, they've all got their own wackiness. Totally. I think some of them is just about time. Christianity is pretty wacky. It's just it's got a, it's such an old tradition that it, we kind of accept it. Yeah, and it's pretty. What are you thinking, Dave? Mainstream. Well, the one that got the biggest cheer, I would say, and the one that people love to laugh at, mm-hmm. is Scientology. Yes, that's what I was correct. Yes. So this is a hat. Uh, this is a golden hat suggestion from Cameron Weeks. And Weeksy. Weeksy. Camsy. Camsy. No, uh, nah, Weeksy. Like he does not like it when you call me Camsy. Well, I am the heel of nicknames. <laughs> That's I, true. You tell me you don't like the nickname. That makes me want to call you it more, mate. That's true. I've heard, yeah, because I've always he thought of that of as, as, as a bit of a, a, a negative. Oh, he's been a bit Camsy. Oh, he came on all Camsy. Yeah. But Weeksy. <laughs> he came on all Camsy. Weeksy is strong. And I do not like Camsy. <laughs> No, no, no. Right. So, uh, in looking at this topic... Uh, so, so, it is... Un- wow. It's Scientology, but... You know how with the Beatles episode we talked about how... Because it's such how an Paul enormous... How Paul was a Scientologist, <laughs> allegedly, and then died, cause allegedly. Because it, <laughs> it's such an enormous topic, you could almost just take one little thing and talk about it. Well, I started reading about Scientology and ended up getting so engrossed in one specific... Like tangent. Is it the cyan? Yeah. No, it's the tology. Oh, good because that that sounds more interesting. I'm really than into the tology. No, uh, I've just got I got really really obsessed with one part of it and ended up basically doing an entire report on this. And I hope that's okay with Cameron Weeks. Is it Tom Cruise? It's not Tom Cruise. Is it Beck Again, that would handsome? be so fucking fancy. 
um, fancy. <laughs> Fascinating oh, is what I was trying to say. Fancy. This cool. episode brought to you by <laughs> Fancy Food. <laughs> Get it at all good restaurants. <laughs> I worked for a catering company that was just called Fancy Foods. Fancy it was food. called Fancy Foods. Pretty sure go. it was called Fancy I Foods. I just did an ad for a company I didn't know existed seconds earlier. Yeah, probably I was sure you were going to say Fancy either. Feast, the, uh, cat, the cat or dog food. Mm. <laughs> cat, I think. Cat. And uh, <laughs> some sort of specific cat food. <laughs> they, were, they said, oh, you're talking about a, a religion where they often go after people that talk about them in the media. We'd like to sponsor that episode. <laughs> we're in. Take all of our money. Oh, dear. Please don't kill us, Scientology. This is all in good fun. Are you going to let us know what the specific thing is or we'll yeah. figure that out as we go? Well, okay, so... For anybody who's not aware, Scientology is a body of religious beliefs and practices that was created in 1954 by American author L. Ron Hubbard. This report is entirely about L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, cool. Right. Uh, And Cameron, like, give me feedback, dude. I'm sorry if you were like, I really want to know specifically about their beliefs. I thought it was going to be some weird, obscure thing. You're doing it about the guy. It's like, I'm not doing it about Christianity. I'm doing it about Jesus. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I won't talk about Mark or Matthew. (laughs) But I'm not going to talk about, like, uh, Tom Cruise, and I'm not going to talk about some other things. Um, it might come up. Do you, do you refuse might. to mention Tom no, Cruise? No, it's not that I refuse. It's just that this is sort of the well, tangent I went on because, because so much of this is so funny. Wait, was the pretty guy in the audition Tom the, Cruise? The guy that couldn't act. <laughs> yeah, it was Tom Cruise. I don't know, I mentioned that when I told the story yeah. earlier that, that you kept interrupting because you constantly talk over me. Is that... So, did I'm I not sorry. mention that it was Tom Cruise? I get excited when you're around. I want to talk over, over you. Over you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to silence you with my own words. Is that... And then I have to just sit here and smile politely while you just keep talking. And sometimes I just continue to finish my sentence because I think maybe he'll hear that I'm talking. But you just keep going like a steamroller. You're just steamrolling over. Yeah? Maddie? Is this all an act? Because you are a 9 out of 10 actor. Yeah, that was and scene. Oh, she's done it again. Oh, I blacked out. What happened? Matt's crying. What happened, Maddie? That was a beautiful portrayal of a person who... (laughs) Who hates Matt Stewart? <laughs> really dislikes me uh, and and my very my very essence of being just, an arsehole. It was just a portrayal. Oh, it's a portrayal. It was just a portrayal. Because at first I thought it was a betrayal. No, and, uh, different. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm going to be talking about L. Ron Hubbard. Great name. Very good name. Now, L. Ron. L. Is it the letter L of the word Ron, or is it E. L. Ron, one word? It is letter L, full stop, Ron Hubbard. It's weird, it's weird to start a name with an initial. Do you want to guess his first initial? I think I know it. Uh, It's not a common name at all. Okay. I was going to guess Liam, Luke, Larry, Leonard, Leichhardt, Lichtenstein, Leaping, (laughs) (laughs) Leaping Ron Hubbard. Is that it? No, I knew it. I knew it. You got it. High jump champ. Anybody who's in your town. You think you know it. I think it's something French. Oh. Le, Le Ron Hubbard. La. Lafayette. Yes, very good, Dave. Yes, you should have seen him. He, he closed his eyes. Yeah, that was really dramatic. It was like dramatic. his brain sort of hovered above or, or, or connected to the cloud, I had maybe. I think, think about that That guy that was in both the Civil War in the US and the French Revolution. I've already forgotten what it was. Lafayette. 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 Well done, Dave. And also the Paris department store. Mm. And good for you. Well done. Is that why he 
initialized it because no, it... I think well in in the way other people speak of him, they do tend to call him Ron a bit. Ronnie, but anyway. So after establishing a career as a writer, becoming best known for his science fiction and fantasy stories. <laughs> He developed a system called Dianetics, which was first put into book form in May of 1950. He then developed his idea into a wide-ranging set of doctrines and practices as part of his, as part of his new religious movement that he called Scientology. His writings became the guiding text for the Church of Scientology and a number of affiliated organisations. Now, the Church's spreading of these writings led to Hubbard being listed by the Guinness Book of World Records as the most translated and published author in the world. In 2014, he was cited by the Smithsonian Magazine as one of the 100 most significant Americans of all time. Of all time? As one of the 11 religious figures on that list. One of the 100 significant Americans of all time. 11 religious figures out of 100? What other American religious figures are there? Don't know. Martin Luther King, was he a religious figure? Jesse Jones. Jesse James. Jesse Hogan. Jesse... Perkins. Perkins. (laughs) Yeah, who's who's the... Church guy. There's Jesse um, Jackson. Oh my god, stop. <laughs> I bet one of these is true. <laughs> if you keep saying that. Statistically, names. one will be right. You're the stats man. One of them is a young full forward for the Melbourne Football Club, but you know, the others I reckon could have been a chance. Mm. I'm sure Joseph Smith, the Mormon founder, uh, well, not founder, but the guy that translated Mormon tablets. Oh, right. Yeah, it might have been there. Yeah, I, no, I don't have the list. Or um, <laughs> Kellogg, the complex guy, he was a religious guy. Was I think. he? Oh, that changes. Or, what complex. about the Amish guy? Yeah, he was like a real. Apparently, he was a real Bible basher, sort of. You know, oh, for and he he invented cornflakes. It was for something like to stop kids masturbating. It worked. I'm sure it did. Oh, it's the worst lube you'll ever come across. It's very <laughs> scratchy. Oh, Ugh, fuck. <laughs> Because before that, um, a common breakfast cereal was. <laughs> before that, people used to eat. Uh, the, the, the teens uh, found it very popular to eat um, Vaseline <laughs> for breakfast, and it was just like oh, you know every every breakfast table uh, Vaseline was, was with a milk. Yeah. It would separate. Was that someone eating Vaseline? What are they doing with Vaseline over there? Oh, and Kellogg no. was like, "I'm going to put some cornflakes in that man." <laughs> Why were you doing a hand gesture then? It's a podcast, man. Nobody can see you except me. And I don't feel comfortable now. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, Dave, you should pull pull back. (laughs) What about Billy Graham? Not pull back like that, Dave. (laughs) What about Billy Graham? Who's Billy Graham? That um, famous, like... Famous, famous, so far famous. That famous? Oh, well, I mean, I'd argue not that famous. If you're, you don't know who he is and you <laughs> mention him. He's a Christian evangelist. Okay. Evangelist. <laughs> How do you say that Evangelist. Evangelist. Here's you. the thing. We don't have the list, so we can speculate all we like or we can just do Phil go on. Collins on Phil Collins. Phil Collins. I was listening to Phil Collins today. Fabulous. That's great. Did you feel it coming through the night? I did. I turned it up really loud because I was home alone. I went, do, 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 do. He does say, oh, Lord, in that song. Oh, Lord. I was thinking it because, you know, the Genesis song. Um, uh, Salisbury Hill. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's the guy from Genesis, right? The other guy. Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. Is that right? I don't know. I was thinking that there's a Genesis. Anyway, we're getting fucking wild yeah, track. Max, but there was a, a, a Genesis song. You say we're going off track and then you keep talking. Oh, there you go. Again, just talking over me. All right. <laughs> 
Go on. So I'm gonna make saying? a. I'm gonna make a supercut of you talking over me. <laughs> yeah, you'll be. It's whoever does the report always gets talked over. You'll be stretched for content on that supercut, there, mate. Stretched? Oh man, you don't, you don't even know, do you? <laughs> Not with these cornflakes. I had to last week's episode. I had to edit out oh, one time off. me trying to start a sentence four times, and you jump on over. Right. Okay. Was I doing it on purpose? To Prob- fuck with you? Probably not. No. Can we save this fight for off air? Can I? Can I just say? Can I just say? Do go on. That's very good. Um, okay, so although many aspects of uh, of Hubbard's life story are disputed, there's a general agreement about some of the basics, right? So he was born in Tilden, Nebraska in 1911. I was about to say 911, 1911. Um, Quite an okay year. Ooh, ooh interesting, ooh, new ta- interesting. Hot new take. I didn't, like that. Did not want to take no, your I'm, catchphrase. I like that. Okay. Uh, he spent much of his childhood in uh, in Montana, and he travelled in Asia and the South Pacific. In the, <laughs> he tried to get Matt to say Montana. Montana. <laughs> Sorry, one more. Montana. A bit, a bit slower. Montana. <laughs> you slowed it down like eight <laughs> percent. Right, what? I how many percentage did you want? I heard the difference. Though. Fifty. Fifty. Okay. Montana. <laughs> That, oh. that wasn't quite. No, that, that was, was like perfect. 30. Montana. Nailed it. 50 right there. There it is. Beautiful. It sounded weird that time. It did. Um, he travelled a bit, a bit in Asia and uh, in where, Matt? In Asia. <laughs> <laughs> but we just don't want to offend, you know, people from different countries. So we want Matt to say it correctly. You know, it's always when people say like Canberra, our capital wrong. So if people in Asia. Canberra. Asia. Asia. Obviously, I can't say it. I'm, fashion. Like, I'm offending people, but it's great that, Matt, we've got the yeah, official got spokesman. From... Asian fashion. Asian fashion. Mm-hmm. Please go on. Thank you. Uh, so he travelled in Asia and the South Pacific in the late 1920s after his father, an officer in the United States Navy, was posted to the US Naval Base on Guam. Um, he attended George Washington University in Washington, D.C. at the start of the 1930s before dropping out and beginning his career as a prolific writer of pulp fiction stories. I'll talk a bit more about that later as well, though. Um, he served briefly in the United States Marine Corps and uh, was an officer of the United States Navy during World War II, briefly commanding two ships. He was removed both times when his superiors found him incapable of command. <laughs> hey, mate, you can't command this one ship. So how about you command... Two ships. <laughs> yeah. uh, double the workload. Maybe we'll double your <laughs> skills. Incorrect. No. Did not work. Yeah, we, actually, no. We need to double the workload, but triple your skills because you couldn't even do the first ship. Yeah. Triple it from nothing. Triple. Three times nothing. Look, mate, we haven't done the, ma- the maths here, but uh, we've <laughs> lost a lot of soldiers. We need you to take we care of the stats, man. So he's not capable of commanding a ship, but apparently he's capable of starting a religion. <laughs> um <laughs> bit more about him. So uh, he studied civil engineering during his two years at George Washington University um, at, the, at sort of like the, the insistence of his father who, who decreed that I should study engineering and mathematics. Um, while he did not graduate from George Washington, his time there subsequently became important because, uh, as, as someone wrote, uh, many of his researches and published conclusions have been supported by his claims to not only be a graduate engineer, but a member of the first United States course in formal education in what it was today called nuclear physics. Right, but he didn't finish. No. 
Scientology accounts say that he studied nuclear physics at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. before he started his studies about the mind, spirit and life. And Hubbard himself stated that he set out to find out from nuclear physics a knowledge of the physical universe. However, his university records indicate that his exposure to nuclear physics consisted of one class in atomic and molecular phenomena, which earned him an F grade. Is that good? Oh, I don't know, Maddie. F for fabulous. F for fuck. That's a sec- yeah, fuck. <laughs> good no, job. No good. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. F for fuck. You don't need to do the other classes. That was so yeah, good. Done. Fuck, you're the professor now. <laughs> um, I like how his dad decreed it. It'd be hard to go, Dad... Um, I know you've decreed me to do this, but yeah. I'm, I've got other other ideas. I think as soon as someone says, I suggest, I'd strongly suggest mm. you go, look, sorry. You, oh, you decree it. Oh, I'm in. Okay. Oh, I guess there's no other option. And A, a decree is big. Yeah. I've never been decreed anything. Would you... Decreed get degrees. <laughs> oh, boy. See, that wouldn't make... That's not a commonly known phrase either, because we would say P's get degrees. Isn't that a commonly known phrase? Well, I'm thinking like internationally. No, I, right. I think I thought it was D's get degrees. Well, that's if well, you that's want distinctions, too. mate. Yeah, as, on P's a, are just a pass. <laughs> oh, sorry, D for as in the A B C D E F scale. Oh no, uh, yeah, yeah, true. You, you scrape probably... through. D's get degrees. But in university, we would say P's get P's degrees, degrees because it's a pass. And oh, also, I don't think that people ate either. a lot of P's to get through exams. That's true. Times. What do, what sort of grading system did you have? I think it was just A. To oh, interesting. In university. Yeah. Oh, you went to like Bovine University or something like that, didn't you? <laughs> Bovine <laughs> University! <laughs> what was the motto of your Did university? Did you not go to a real university? Did you go to an online university? No, I went to a real university. Did you? Yeah. Latrobe hmm. University. I think the, uh, what was the motto? Fiddlius quo fortidlius. <laughs> That's <laughs> which, not real. Which, Jess, if that, uh, you were the Latin expert on it, what was That's that? Strength Fiddle through those something. titties, I think. What was it? Hmm? <laughs> Put all those titties, I think. That's all in there. All right. Even their motto is not sure of itself. La Trobe University. Mm. Remember, I'm the master on the podcast. All right, mate. You got a master's? Yeah. And I got occasional D's. (laughs) You got occasional D's at university. All right, Jess. We don't have to... What about your classes, though? Yeah. Distinctions. Oh. Got a high distinction for a literature class. Didn't read a single book. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. It's all about bullshit. And now I do a podcast. <laughs> hey, I can we're... draw a line, I think, between the two. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're all doing well. Man, I'm bullshitting my way through this, too. Uh, there's nothing on the page. It just says believe in yourself. <laughs> and a do. It's um, working. Yeah. Are you, are you doing Luke McGregor gear there? That was a Luke yes. McGregor joke, wasn't it? Yeah. I didn't mean to. Well. But I realized after I'd said it, I was like, oh, hang on. <laughs> Oh, that's a McGregor joke. Sorry, Luke. I assume you're listening. Um, uh, well, I mean, the numbers pretty much suggest everyone is. <laughs> Everyone's listening. That's weird that we can hit, Dave, how many in the world at the moment? Seven and a half billion. Seven and a half billion so weekly. We, so the, yeah. the population clock goes up and so do the stats. It's amazing. It's so, As they're born, it's, it's they one listen. for one. Yeah. It's one they're for given one. an and iPhone and, yeah, <laughs> and, subscribe. and a subscription. Often, as they die, they listen as well. Yeah. Makes just, you think. It's, it's the first and last thing Bye, people Teresa. <laughs> well, there she, she goes. TikTok, another one gone. Later's Marcel Marceau. <laughs> <laughs> improv, improv, yeah. But welcome, Kevin. <laughs> improv, improv, yeah. That's always been my mantra. Your mantra? Your That's mantra. my mantra. It's written on my wall. Oh. And the ceiling. 
and mine's just believe in yourself. Anyway, so... Sorry, you're again being confused with... Um... Oh, that's Luke McGregor. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I do apologise. Uh, so th- that sort of um, thing where he has said one thing and the facts say something else, that's going to be a recurring theme through this entire report. Oh, a theme. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> maybe I got away with it. A, a recurring theme. Yeah. <laughs> There's uh. that theme again. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the photocopier's down. Just get another three of paper. Oh, that was karma because Matt got shitty. Well, the only was reason it last I brought week? it up, yeah. yeah. Was <laughs> I was prepared to let it go. Thank you. And you three. really banged on about it hard. I did last time. Was, was it um, occurrence? Yeah. Occurrence. Occurrence, yeah. Right. Well, you said it funny. Anyway, it was. A, this is going to be a recurring theme. Oh, interesting. Through this uh, report. So, he's at university. Scientologists claim that he was more interested in extracurricular activities, particularly writing and flying. Sounds like banging. Flying. Banging. Extracurricular activities sounds like banging. Sounds oh. like getting D's. Um, yeah. Getting D's. And degrees. And not getting degrees. You didn't do many extracurricular activities at school, did you? He went to Latrobe. I don't know if they... Do they have any... Even like high school, like All musical All I know about Latrobe is it's, a, it's like a coal power, coal-fired power plant. That's the Latrobe Valley. <laughs> That's all I know about it. <laughs> so you were, you were learning about coal? Well, yes. The, I went to Deacon. Nobody knows anything about oh, that the place. the Deacon. Yeah, I went to the D. <laughs> oh. It's all about the D. I'm, I'm all about the D. I thought it was about the Dean. I deed the Deacon. Dean. There we go. You hey, deed the Dean? No. How do you think I passed? Um, anywho. Wow. you got to sleep your way all the way to the top. Yeah, the top to get an arts degree. <laughs> yeah. Not even I didn't even pass with distinction. Yeah. I just got given an God, arts degree. If I sat with a dean, I'd want to be like a doctor or something. Yeah, you'd want a good degree. Of podcasting. Yeah. Well, I was I was one. You were nearly there. One session away. Anyway, so he's interested in uh, he's more interested in other things than his than his class. What were you saying? He's actually interested in. Pardon me. Writing and flying. According what is that kite flying? What's well, that? according to church materials, <clears throat> he earned his wings as a pioneering barnstormer at the dawn of American aviation and was recognised as one of the country's most outstanding pilots. With virtually no training time, he takes up powered flight and barnstorms throughout the Midwest. I don't know what barnstorms are. Please don't ask me. But it's a great term. His airman certificate, however, record. This isn't a quote. I was still talking like it was a quote. His uh, actual certifications, however, uh, records that he qualified to fly only gliders rather than powered aircrafts and gave up his certificate when he could no longer afford the renewal fee. Wow. Right? So they're like, he's probably one of the best pilots the world has ever seen. And they're like, well, I don't know, he can sort of move around up a glider a bit. You That's know? something. Well, this does sound like a guy has been put on Earth by some sort of some sort greater of power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But haven't we all? And, um... Yeah. Hmm. So... He's still got training wheels in the air. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And they're like... Training wings, he's, I think. They're talking him up. Like, he's a big dog. But he's a little dog. He's a tiny dog. He's sounding more and more Kim Jong-il. Ooh. Kim Jong fully sick. A bit of a... <laughs> Kim Jong fully sick. <laughs> Worth repeating. Yeah, not my best. Um, anyway, so he became a well-known and prolific writer for Pulp Fiction magazines. Hang on, is this true now? I can't, I'm not sure. This is true. Okay. During the 1930s. So, again, Scientology texts describe him as becoming well-established as, as an essayist. He wrote the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> he wrote everything. <laughs> he wrote the Bible and then said it was wrong. <laughs> Sorry, um, got, it, got it wrong. Even before he'd concluded college, Scientology saying he's already a well-established writer. 
Scientology claims that he solved his finances and his desire to travel by writing anything that came to hand and that he earned an astronomical rate of pay for for writing. Right? So they, I love a religion that brags about the cash that yeah, their right? leaders yeah. bring in. Like he was living very comfortably He's indeed. Um, he could afford to stay in a three-star hotel. He wasn't backpacking. Oh, we should follow this man. Mm, we should learn from him. So his literary career began with contributions to the George Washington University student newspaper, which was called the University Hatchet, as a reporter for a few months in 1931. So six of his pieces were published uh, during 1932 and 1933. The going rate for freelance writers at the time was only a cent a word. So Hubbard's total earnings for these articles would have been less than $100. But they're like, he was comfortable. Hatchet. The hatchet. Is that an ironic name? Because that's like a... That's a negative term, like a hatchet job on a, a journalist on a hatchet job is like poor journalism, right? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. A very interesting question, Matt. Thanks for asking. <laughs> and uh, we'll... I don't know and I have a journalism degree. <laughs> is, that, is that not a term? I might be I've not heard up. it. Okay, great. But I never pursued the journalism thing. Hey, what are you doing right now? Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't journalism. You got in the journalism's back door. Oh, don't talk about the back. Don't door. talk about don't talk about journalism's back door. Like Hang that. on, so you got in the dean and then the journalism's back door. It was a wild time. Wow, heady days. My See, university days. I was finding myself. <laughs> wow, do you get degree? And where were you? At the D. <laughs> at the D. <laughs> the back door D. <laughs> I was at the scratching at the back door. <laughs> let me let in, me in. <laughs> dean. Let me in. <laughs> I'm locked out. <laughs> I left my pants inside. <laughs> oh, dear. I <laughs> just go away. My wife's, my wife's home. Okay. Oh, All right. On. What a plot All twist sudden... here. It was a young Dean and we were very much in love. <laughs> <laughs> none, of, none of the crusty old Deans I've met. No, no, no. No, no, no. (laughs) He was a young, sexy Dean. (laughs) That's one of my favourite ongoing Simpsons jokes where he goes back to college and he hates the Dean. (laughs) He's a cool guy. He's like, hey guys, if you ever want to chill out and play hacky sack or just jam, I used to be the bass player in The Pretenders. (laughs) 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 He's like that crusty old (laughs) (laughs) Dean. Oh, Jess, I wish you banged that Dean. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, I'm so sorry that I didn't. Um, okay, so back to off Jess talking, Jess banging things. Um, back to Hubbard. <laughs> the dean was a Hubbard, a hubby, hubby, Husband. hubby material. But uh, but I wanted to just be free. Oh God. Um, he said, sound- oh, Elron sounds like. Hubby, hubby material, because he's oh, earning well. an astronomical amount of money, 100 cents. Well, it's interesting that you say that, David, because Hubbard's literary earnings helped him to support his new wife. <gasps> new? Margaret Polly Grubb. I don't know where Polly oh, comes Grubb from. Is Grubb is maybe <laughs> the best surname. <laughs> Bloody Grubb. Grubb. Here Married Grubb. a Grubb. Yeah, it's pretty great. Oh, I can't wait to join the Grubbs for dinner. <laughs> Um, So Polly was already pregnant when they married on the 13th of April, 1933. Oh, that was kind of him to marry someone else's pregnant girlfriend. (laughs) I paused for you to say a good year, but you jumped. That was better. Um, A good pregnancy. (laughs) A good deed. A good deed. A good deed. (laughs) A good deed. A good deed does not go unrewarded. Oh, boy. (laughs) With an unplanned pregnancy. 
Um, but she unfortunately had a miscarriage shortly afterwards, and a few months later she became pregnant again. Um, in 1934, she gave birth to a son who was named Lafayette Ronald Hubbard Jr., and the nickname His Nibs invariably shortened to Nibs. <laughs> <laughs> what? So the nick- I don't know. His Nibs. Is that one word? His. No, two words. His Nibs. Then they just called him Nibs. I don't know where Nibs comes from, but Jeez, I fucking love it. Nibs sounds like a guy who lives in the in the attic Nibsy. and you feed him a bucket of fish. <laughs> Heads. <laughs> okay, Nibs. All right, it's your turn to feed Nibs. Yeah. Take what you're given, Nibs. <laughs> I wonder how many Simpsons references we can squeeze yeah, in quite today. A few. Quite I think, a few. I think we're up to four. Um, Dave, uh, any any updates on the Simpsons episode? The pressure is building online. Yeah, no, it's people huge. are really <laughs> calling for it, which is too much pressure. I can't handle it. Fuck you. Sorry, Fuck said that you. out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying what everyone's thinking, Dave. Fuck you. Anyway, um, so Hubbard joins the Navy in 1941. Just like Homer did. <laughs> in 1941. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you said, I was going to try and shoot on something. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of worked. Um, Scientology te- texts say that he returned from the war uh, blinded with injured optic nerves and lame with physical injuries to hip and back and was twice pronounced dead. <laughs> However, his medical records state that he was hospitalised with an acute stomach ulcer <laughs> rather it. than a war injury. It's weird that usually, like, obviously they make up brags about people, but to say that he had a bad back and bad hips and nearly died. Twice. Twice. I think that's saying war no, heroes, he did but die. he did die. He did that's die. That's Lazarus so, moment. The war, and, he, and he'd gone blind. The dying thing, moment. but like, he had a dodgy hip. But they're all like, they're all like biblical miracles, right? Mm-hmm. Giving people their sight back, coming back from the dead, uh, having uh, improved hip uh, flexibility. They were all... I think Jesus gave people all of those. Yeah, I remember that. Proving people's calcium bone density. Remember mm. that time at, at the Garden of Geth- Gethsemane? I can't remember what that was. Gethsemane? When, uh, when Jesus gave uh, Tiffany uh, improved hip movement. I do remember that. Yeah. And then she was able to um, perform at the dance concert that night. Yeah, and she, she, shimmied, she shimmied all the way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> Good for <laughs> Tiffany. Yeah. It was one of my favourite chapters. Of the, of the Bible. What the, what chapter was that? Uh, 2022B. 20, 22B. <laughs> 20, Jesus and the Babysitter's Club <laughs> go to the disco. <laughs> My favourite. Um, so probably, this is probably a little, needs to be backdated, but there will be some blasphemy in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a whole bunch. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Okay, so on October uh, and October, <laughs> um, in uh, 1945, in October, the Naval Board found that Hubbard was considered physically qualified to perform duty ashore, preferably within the continental United States. Um, so he was discharged from hospital and transferred to inactive duty um, in 1946. And he resigned his, from his commission with effect in 1950. Um, the Church of Scientology says he quit uh, because the US Navy attempted to monopolize all his research and force him to work on a project to make man more suggestible. And when he was unwilling, they tried to blackmail him by ordering him back to active duty to perform this function. Having many friends... He was able to instantly resign from the Navy and escape this trap. 
The Navy said in 1980 that there is no evidence on record of an attempt to recall him to active duty. <laughs> I like how like, they squeezed in, and he had many friends. Yeah. Very popular. Heaps of friends. So the research they're talking about there is kind of what leads on to his um, uh, Dianetics research. Right, but he, they, he thinks that they were trying to make him make men more suggestible and easy on the eye. <laughs> Mm. Mm. Can you suggest these men mm. to any potential young <laughs> suitors? Yeah. Mm. What are you saying, Dave? Hey, do it or I'll blackmail you. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's my blackmail. <laughs> do it or I'll initiate the blackmailing. Don't, you don't even want to hear yeah. what yeah. I've got on yeah. you. Yeah, what if, it's crazy. If I said it to you, you'd die. <laughs> oh, quick. Would, that would leave me in all sorts of situations. Heaps, bad, bad ones. Heaps of them. So his life underwent a turbulent period immediately after the war. According to his own account, he was abandoned by family and friends as a supposedly hopeless cripple and a probable burden upon them for the rest of my days. His daughter Catherine presented a different version. Um, She said that his wife Polly, so her mother, had refused to uproot their children from their home in Washington to join him in California, and he chose to stay in California alone. Right, so he's kind of separated from his family. At this stage, Polly and, and he had two kids. Um, so in August of 1945, uh, he moved into the Pasadena mansion of John Jack Whiteside Parsons, a leading rocket propulsion researcher at the California Institute of Technology and a founder of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Parsons led a double life as an avid occultist, which is like the study of magic, alchemy, Astrology, spiritualism. Not one of those casual occultists. <laughs> he was avid. He was avid, but it was a double life. Avid, but also part-time. Part-time. Yeah. yeah. You could only do it on Saturdays and Sundays and, and a, Mondays after six. And a thelemite. Have you heard of thelemites at all? It's like a... It, it's, it's culty. It feels quite culty. It's a... Um, uh, they're, they're, follow they're the of... things from the ceiling of the cave. Tights. Okay, good. <laughs> you got the... <laughs> You cut me off at the pass. Yeah. <laughs> they're the <laughs> they're the things that no, <laughs> incorrect. A thelemite, the follower of the English ceremonial magician Alastair Crowley, 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 and and leader of the lodge uh, of Crowley's magical order, which was Ordo Templi. Orientis. Please, please translate, Jess. Order of the Temple of the East or Order of Oriental Templars. Mm. Really weird, right? So Take I wonder pick. if that's the Mr. Crowley from the Ozzy Osbourne song, Mr. Crowley. Probably. He's Interesting, English. yeah. And it, that would be the kind of thing You're you'd sing about. You're thinking stalactites. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also stalagmites. And One Magic song? Mike, double XL. A great film. <laughs> Your favourite film, I believe you said off air one time. What is it? Oh, no, I know what it is. It's it's a movie. I haven't seen it, but I reckon it would be if I had. Yeah. That's why I'm saving it. No, you got it. You must. Because I don't want to Save it for your 40th. Otherwise, you know, what's left to live for? (laughs) Now I'll always have it to look forward to. I don't want to see that in my rear view mirror. I'll just be like, oh, remember that day that I saw that movie that was clearly the best ever? Yeah, good call. I don't want to live in that world. You can't. And you can't make me. You mustn't. And I won't. I don't care what you say. Oh, I totally... I actually know what you mean because I feel like I, I wish I could go back having not seen any of the Poirot episodes. Sure. When I know who the killer is Murder now. Murder on the Nile. Oh, please. Death on the Nile. Fuck. You idiots. <laughs> I fucked it. You fucking idiot. Oh, oh God. But there myself. are... Well, there is a murder. 
<laughs> Most <laughs> foul. Yes, it is foul. An ingenious chicken. Oh, what? Yeah, they murder a chicken, eat it, and then a human dies. Food poisoning. It's horrible. With, with the protein they gain Salmonella. from the chicken, <laughs> yeah. they summon up the power to stab a guy. Fascinating. Right in front of the camera. It was an open and shut case. And I wish I could go back to the time just before I saw that happen. So you could relive it, or so you could stop it. <laughs> yeah, I wanna, I stop wish, the murder. I wish I could go back in time and stop the death on the Nile. Yeah, well, I wish I wish you could too, Dave. Yeah, I mean, innocent people died. Innocent fictional characters. were they innocent? Oh, okay. Plot twist. Mm. To be honest, absolutely no idea. No idea. Don't care. Don't have any care at all. Nah, I'd like to go on. Well, please let do. Me... Let me set the scene. Oh, no. So, Poro has been invited to... You're thinking of stalactites. <laughs> Please actually do go on. Okay. Um, so, he's moved into this house, uh, a mansion, um, and, and the guy Parsons, so Jack, Jack Parsons, he only let rooms in the house to tenants who he specified should be atheists and those of a bohemian disposition. So, it's... Matt, we're in. He's in this... Yeah, you're atheists and bohemians. Bohemian oh, Rhapsody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know all the lyrics to that song that hasn't been written yet? Yes. Are you, are you an atheist, Dave? It's a Maybe. very personal question. Please do go on, Jess. I want to leave the mystery there. I don't want to know. Nod or shake your head no, so well, that I'm, we know. I'm closing my eyes. I never want to know. Well, he's also, Dave's also closed his eyes. That's weird. <laughs> it's not helping. And he's also still not doing anything with his head. <laughs> he's just sitting there with his eyes closed now. I pray to the stalactites. Ah, interesting. Okay. Stalactite, stalactite. May you stalactite my dreams come true tonight. Uh, good bless me. <laughs> <laughs> good bless me. <laughs> good bless me is the best thing I thought you said. <laughs> I thought you were going to sing, Stalactite, Stalactite, Baker's Man. <laughs> no, I was going to. That was the that was the funny twist I put in. I made everyone think I was going to say that weird thing you said. <laughs> and then I, when you thought I was going to zig, I bloody zagged. <laughs> hey, Jess, please do go on. <laughs> what, this is going off the rails. Moved into a house. He befriended Parsons and soon became sexually involved with Parsons' 21-year-old girlfriend, Sarah Betty Northup. No, why does nobody go by their name? Yeah. What an interesting time. Sarah's a nice Jess name. Jess Bob Perkins is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Matt Sugartit Stewart. <laughs> Dave Golden Dave Warnicky. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> have we, I think we've probably mentioned that in our, our group chat on Facebook, we now have a, nicknames. Uh, have we? Yeah. We've got nicknames Wait, on our group chat. Wait, do I have any chat. Yeah, yours is Big Balls. Oh, is it? Because you can't see your own. <laughs> you can't own. see yeah. your own. Do I, I have one? That. Yeah, you're Golden Tonsils. Oh, fuck yeah, I am. And I'm Bop, which makes sense. It's the least offensive. Big Balls. <laughs> like, it's so good when it's just a notification on my phone says, Big Balls has messaged podcast of dreams. I'm like, that's just a great sentence. Uh, I hope... That is sitting on the ta- on the yeah. like the bar table when you're on a date or something, and they they just go, oh, okay, interesting little insight there. He's big balls. And why is he saying something about something about hope the date's going well? Because <laughs> you would say something like that because you're a very supportive friend. Yeah, super supportive. Um. Anyway, so now he's he is uh involved with his new friend's girlfriend, Betty. Betty. Despite this, Parsons was very impressed with Hubbard and reported to Crowley. <laughs> Hmm, good technique. This is Oh, gross. Hmm. This is something that he oh, said. He's very impressed. <laughs> oh, no. This is amazing. So Hubbard is a gentleman. He has red hair, green eyes, is honest and intelligent, and we have become great friends. He moved in with me about two months ago, and although Betty and I are still friendly, she has transferred her sexual affection to Ron. Oh, my God. He How, didn't. It's fucked, right? 
This is starting to sound a little Charles Manson-y. Yeah. Although he has no formal training in magic, magic with a K, he has extraordinary, an extraordinary amount of experience and understanding in the field. From some of his experiences, I deduced that he is in direct touch with some higher intelligence, possibly his guardian angel. He described his angel as a beautiful winged woman with red hair, whom he calls the Empress, and who has guided him through his life and saved him many times. He is the most thelmic... Thelemic person I've ever met and is in complete accord with our own principles. Uh, are you in love with him? <laughs> huh? what, what was that, that transaction about the sexual... Whatever, yeah, she has was... transferred her sexual affection that to That is Ron. the coldest way I've ever heard that We described. are still friendly, but she has transferred her sexual affection elsewhere. Transferred kind regards. sexual affection. Isn't that weird? That's something yeah, like a and lawyer he's told, saying. It's, it's like it. he's yeah. fine with it. Sounds like she's changed yeah. banks. Yeah. I, I would not be fine with she that. She was on hold for 40 minutes <laughs> to get that through. But she did it. Yeah. Worth it. It's always worth it. Finally but... did I go, she withdrew her final dollar last week and put it into Ron. I'm closing my sexual account with you, sir. How weird is that? I wish you all the best. You found a lower interest rate. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So on the 10th of August in 1946, Hubbard bigamously married Sarah while still married to Polly. Um, it wasn't until the next year, 19... Sorry, Sarah, Betty? Betty. Right. Yeah, sorry, Betty. Um, it was not until the next year... You can call year, me Betty. ...in 47 that his wife, his first wife, learned that he'd remarried. Uh, he agreed to divorce Polly in June that year, and the marriage was dissolved shortly afterwards, and Polly was given custody of the children. So I don't think I, it was estranged from his first two kids for a while. I think he reconnects with his son later. Anyway. so Estranged. I wonder if that's like the, uh, that's what the Guns N' Roses song was about. Oh, my God. And the Simpsons. Um... <laughs> I wonder if um, 
if you described it as his his uh, children had transferred their guardianship over mm, mm. to another dad. Page four of eleven, boys. Um, so after. <laughs> wow, this guy's a real cra- crazy guy. <laughs> after Hubbard's wedding to Betty. Um, they settled in Laguna Beach in California, where oh my goodness, where he took a short-term job looking after a friend's yacht, <laughs> before resuming his fiction writing to supplement a small disability allowance that he had uh, he was receiving as a war veteran. That's awesome to be on an allowance, which I imagine is quite small, and to be living on a yacht. I was looking after it. He's I don't like, know where they're like, living. He's uh, like Marissa's dad on season two of uh, the OC. Is that Laguna Beach? No, that's the OC. Great. To go on, it's Laguna Beach. Laguna that's a Beach different a sh- show, right? Yeah, that's that's a reality show. God. Do you think the OC was a reality show? Wasn't it? You're oh, thinking of boy. Real Housewives of the OC. Yeah, there you go. Your favorite uh, show. But that's the one with uh, Sandy Cohen, right? Where yeah. he's a cool surfing yeah. lawyer um, by day. Yep. And by night, it's the same. Only it's darker. It's not. So he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't surf as yeah. much. Doesn't surf. He just. Ha- but he, you has know, I mean, he the maintains fam. the same identity, I guess. Oh, is that you, the one? Do you maintain the same identity day and night? No, 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 no. But Sandy does. Sandy does. That's the that's the quirky thing about him. That's why oh. the people loved him and found him magnetic to watch. <laughs> Not my words. Whose words? Well, I think they're just old English words that have been around for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> can I say? Yeah. Can I ask you to? Because if I don't say this, people will tweet in and complain that we didn't say... Do go wrong. Oh, oh very good. Very good. Very good. good. <laughs> I love it when people will point one out later yeah, and we're like, oh, you, fuck. How'd hey, you miss it? Yeah, you missed out on this classic gag. You were talking about Damn. shit for 10 minutes and nobody said poo go on. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Ah! Yes. Okay, do go wrong. Very good. Um, so he's, he's writing again and uh, he was working from a trailer in a rundown area of North, North Hollywood. Um, He's given up the yacht lifestyle for a rundown he trailer. He wasn't living on the yacht. He was looking after a yacht. What, so his trailer's parked next to a yacht and he's just sort of looking. Who says, who says you can't commute to work, Dave? A couple of times a How'd day. How do we get here tonight, out. champ? I don't live in the studio or next door to it, do I? You fucking idiot. Whoa. I live on the other side of the city. I drive across. I don't know. We don't talk outside of the podcast. That's I true. I anything about you. Well, I think actually Kayfabe says that we all live in a bunk bed here. Yeah, that's right. Kayfabe. 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 Did I say Kayfabe? No. no, you said kayfabe. Okay, good. You said it right for the first time because you said it wrong every single time last week. It was a hard way to remember, but I... But you remember it now. Now I've got it. Kayfabe is that we all live here in bunk beds and matching pajamas. Mm-hmm. I, I may have just added that bit. Um, so he sold a number of science fiction stories um, and uh, he still sort of remained short of money and his, his son, L. Ron Hubbard Jr., testified later that Hubbard was... Big nips. Big... big <laughs> Big old nibs. <laughs> he testified later that his dad was dependent on his own father and Polly's, his first wife's parents, for money. Um, and his writing, which was paid at a penny per word, never really garnered him more than, say, $10,000 prior to founding Scientology. So he never made a lot of money. Um, I like but he... Jess's reality that $10,000 isn't a lot of money. And this is what, the 1950s? <laughs> is that enough? What? No, but now I've now I've because I forget that you're in Hollywood now, and that's probably I'm a nine. You don't get I'm a out nine of bed. out of ten actor. Yeah, I don't get out of bed for less than a mil. Bloody hell, that is a lot of money. <laughs> and you won't get out of just bed for getting it. out of bed. Yeah, what have you got to take a piss? I won't. <laughs> I want a million dollars for it. I won't. I'm on the phone to my agent. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm busting. Yeah, get you got to get me a there. deal. Get me in there. I need. I just want to go to the kitchen to get some breakfast. 
million dollars transferred in the next five minutes. Thank you. Otherwise, what? And I play Candy Crush until uh, look at the little notifications like, dude, you got a million dollars. I'm like, all right, well, I can start my day. All right. I'm going to go masturbate with cornflakes. <laughs> That's how I start my day. <laughs> I have, have to leave the bed for that. Oh, the complex are in the kitchen, mate. Yeah, oh. I gotta go get them. Grow up, Dave. Keep them in my bedside drawer. Oh, you would, you perv. <laughs> that is very, that is very pervy, Dave. Yeah, that's so Warnicky. Yeah. Keep cornflakes. Come on, mate. Keep your sex stuff in the kitchen like everyone else. <laughs> keep it in the pantry. That's what I always say. <laughs> keep it in the, keep it in the pants. Keep it in the pantry. He does always say that. Yeah. In the bedroom. Keep it above the belt. Above the butt. Above the belt. You definitely said above the butt in the kitchen. Below the butt. Below the butt. <laughs> no butt stuff the butt. outside of the kitchen. <laughs> Where do you... Well, I mean, it's below the butt or above. Where's the butt? When does butt come in? <laughs> what room is that? Halfway between the kitchen and my bed. So, okay, okay in Which my house, that's like a, a hallway. Yeah, that's the butt zone. That's the butt, that's the butt zone. Uh, this uh, lovely property has two bedrooms, one bathroom and one butt zone. Mm. Oh, mm. we were really looking for a two-butt zone house, but I suppose we could renovate. Well, they are thinking of putting a butt zone out the back. Oh. They have the uh, zoning permits. Oh, very Council good. Council approved. How big a butt zone? Unconditionally, it will be a six-square-meter butt zone. Oh, perfect. Two stories. Yeah. Two-story think... butt zone? Um, <gasps> darling, do you think? Oh, honey, we must. Yes. We'll take it. We'll take it. Thank you. Would you like to celebrate in the butt zone with me? <laughs> <laughs> with the traditional <laughs> butt zone ceremony. I can't fully picture what's happening in the butt zone. That's what I'm going to say on my date. <laughs> Would you like to celebrate in the butt zone? I with will. Me? I will message you. So you get a message from Big Balls. <laughs> Big Balls podcast. Oh, of Big Dream. Balls. Sorry, just got got to take this. Big Balls just sent me know. Yeah, you're always celebrating in the butt zone, and we're <laughs> welcome to come. Oh no. <laughs> okay, I Play, have, Jess, please do go. I've on. got a lot more to go. Um, so he's. Saying that he's he's making he's supporting himself with writing, but other other people are suggesting not the case. He repeatedly wrote to the Veterans Administration, the VA, asking for an increase in his war pension. In October of forty seven, he wrote, "This is a, this is a quote." Um, After trying and failing for two years to regain my equilibrium in, in civil life, I'm utterly unable to approach anything like my own competence. Anyway, it's probably all a bit sad and and a bit weird, but he's basically saying like. Oh, they kind of said I should maybe see a psychologist, but uh, I didn't. I was a bit proud, and now it's like I've got to deal with some stuff, and I'm still not up to working, so can I have more money? And uh, they gave him more money, um, but his money problems still continued. In uh, in 1948, he was arrested in, in California and subsequently pleaded guilty to a charge of petty theft, for which he was ordered to pay a $25 fine. Oh, this is, the cycle continues. I would thieve if all I had to do was pay 25 bucks. Yeah. If I got caught. He he got caught stealing thirty dollars. So he's so still five dollars up. up. Still up. This is awesome. It's pretty petty, good. Petty he sold the petty. <laughs> and back then petty meant thirty dollars. Thirty. Yeah. Slang term. That was the style at the time. <laughs> That's at six. Simpsons <laughs> <laughs> yep. count. Now again, according to the Church of Scientology, around this time. Uh, he accepted an appointment as a special police officer with the Los Angeles Police Department and used the position to study society's criminal elements and also worked with neurotics from the Hollywood's film community. Oh, you're one of those. Yeah, but I never worked with him. Great. But, so he's just got a job with the police? Yeah. Well, that's what Scientology oh, sorry, is saying. Oh, I missed that little... Right. Oh, you missed the start of the sentence? But in reality, what's the reality? Reality is, no, 
He didn't do anything. Um, <laughs> the reality is, he's still in the trailer. Wait, so you're believing what your sources at the Encyclopedia Britannica or some shit over a holy text? The Scientology.com.org. Who's side are you on? Well, you're just... never sure, are you? No. <laughs> no. I'm a flipper. I'm a flopper. Yeah, you are. You're I'm the... a big fan of the bopper. That's yeah. if you'd let me finish. <laughs> I loved that rhyme. More than anything ever. I'm a flipper, I'm a flopper. I'm the big fan of the bopper. Mm. That's on my tombstone. That's great. Um, Turning over my grave. Flipping and flopping. Flipping and flopping. Still, Still bopping. Bopping. <laughs> Still bopping. That's weird. Um, in, in late 48, he and his wife moved to Savannah in Georgia. Um, again, Scientology sources say that he volunteered his time in hospitals and mental wards, saving the lives of patients with his counselling techniques. What a great guy. Mm-hmm. It does sound good. Hubbard began to make the first public mentions of what was to become Dianetics. So he wrote in January 1949 that he was working on a book of psychology about the cause and cure of nervous tension, which he was going to call the Dark Sword Excalibur, or Science of the Mind. I like the Dark Sword Excalibur. Yeah, it sounds like it's a evil thing. Excalibur is fun to say. Have a go. Excalibur. Very good. Dave? Excalibur. Mm, better when Matt did it. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You said it in a disappointed way, though. Huh. Uh, oh. Oh, oh, better oh. than Matt said it. Oh, in April of 1949, Hubbard wrote to several professional organisations to offer his research. None were interested. <laughs> So he turned to his editor, John W. Campbell, who was more receptive due to a long-standing fascination with fringe psychologies and psychic powers. Um, so he's like, yeah, okay, this sounds interesting. Psychology so, of the fringe, the front bit of your haircut. Thank yeah. you. He's really into it. Bangs, Americans Bangs. would call it. That would have it. been way more efficient than the front bit of your haircut. All right, look. Future Jess, just cut out everything I've said today, please. And Future Jess, leave it all in. Um, so Campbell invited Hubbard and Betty to move into a cottage at Bayhead, New Jersey, not far from his own home. Uh, and in 49, Campbell recruited an acquaintance, Dr. Joseph Winter, to help develop Hubbard's new theory of Dianetics. Jersey. What's your Jersey accent like, Dave? You Jersey! <laughs> Hesitate. He didn't even think about it. Don't he was taking to... a sip from his water and he was just like, is I'm that, in. I don't even know what it is. What, is that? Is that right? You joyzy. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a little Schoenbergy. It is. Oh, is he, he's a Jerseyan. You, you know it. Sydney. I miss him every day. Yeah. He's still alive. What? <laughs> Why hasn't he called? <laughs> Every now and then someone tweets us saying he's mistakenly died. Well, died. Mistakenly. The tweet. He didn't he mean to. He hasn't mistakenly died. He hasn't, <laughs> no, like, whoopsies. Oh, no, he fell into a bin. Oh, oh and died. Yeah, he could, that, that's not fatal, Dave. He couldn't get out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a re- he couldn't get out. It's a really big bin. <laughs> hey, hey, don't turn on the lights in here. Oh, my God, it smells like trash. Hey, that is trash. Hey. Is that cornflakes? Oh, I can pass the time. <laughs> and then he had a wank. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, it's a subtext, Jess. Come on. Oh, okay. I'm not good with subtext. Do go wrong. So Campbell told Winter, so these are the, the two guys working with him, uh, with cooperation from institutions, some psychiatrist, Hubbard has worked on all types of cases, institutionalized schizophrenics, manics, depressives, perverts, stutterers, because they're the same, um, 
In all, nearly a thousand cases, but just a brief sampling of each type. He doesn't have proper statistics in the usual sense, but he has one statistic. He's cured every patient he worked with. He's cured ulcers, arthritis, asthma, <laughs> the pervy ones. The pervy stutterers. Ugh, I'm <laughs> horny. <laughs> what would it sound like if they also had asthma? <laughs> um, <laughs> Such an unfortunate combination. <laughs> but he's cured them. Yeah. Now they're not horny. Or asthmatic. Hey, I'm just fine. I feel I'm level-headed. Nice Hi. to meet you. How do you do? <laughs> How do you do? Top of the morning. Oh, God, I can't believe it's the same guy. <laughs> He's cured. So uh, he collaborated with Campbell and Winter to refine his techniques, and he tested them on science fiction fans recruited by Campbell. The basic principle of Dianetics was that the brain recorded every experience and event in a person's life, even when unconscious. So bad or painful experiences were stored as what he called engrams. Uh, in a reactive mind. These could be triggered later in life, causing emotional and physical problems. By carrying out a process he called auditing, a person could be regressed through his enograms to re-experience past experiences. This enabled enograms to be cleared. The subject, who would now be in the state of clear, would have a perfect functioning mind with an improved IQ and photographic memory. Wow. Just as a little side thing. That's a bonus. I know. The clear would be cured of physical ailments ranging from poor eyesight to the common cold, which Hubbard asserted were purely psychosomatic. You're blind. It's all in your head. Just see, mate. Just see. Just look. Just let yourself see. Have a go. Have a go. Come on. Believe in yourself. That's because, like, I used to be blind, and then I'm like, nah, I'm going to see I don't want to be blind. Yeah, no, no, not for me. It was all in my head. Yeah. And now... 2020 vision. Mm-hmm. Now I see out my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a look at your face. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a close-up. <laughs> I can see your beard. Dave's... Oh, oh that's weird. <laughs> oh, cornflakes. Gee. In the beard. <laughs> you found some cornflakes in the beard, and it brought back some memories. Wowzers. Because the, the mind remembers everything. It does. Even very... when asleep. Even when it's wanking. It remembers it all. That's the kind of, If someone said all that stuff to me in a, like a, a really relaxed and uh, like a bit of firm sort of tone in a, in a building and I was a bit lonely and there was someone going, yeah, you know, what we'll do is we'll take you to the... You know, when people talk like that, mm-hmm. that sort of calm but very authori- authoritative... Well, I'd be like, okay, let's do it. I'm in. And then I would have... Joined a cult. And I would have been a Hollywood A-lister. You definitely would have joined a cult. I reckon. Mm. Yeah, you're too keen. You say the phrase, I'm in, a lot. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) He does. He does say that a lot. I'm a yes man. You are a yes man. Genuinely, at at certain times, I'd join a cult. Yeah. I reckon you would. I reckon. I'll try to protect you from that, because I'm very sceptical. I'm super skeptical as well. I'm on a I'm a real roller coaster. Oh of yeah, emotions. you're just a you're a bag of tricks. Hey, hey, <laughs> you bag of dicks, please. <laughs> Take a run. Winter submitted a paper on Dianetics to the Journal of the American Medical Association and the American Journal of Psychiatry, but both journals rejected it. Oh, they said they don't just do they don't have a they don't just uh, take anybody. They don't have a, like an open an open a, mic. A, a letters <laughs> section letters to the editor. <laughs> 
I've got a theory. Um, so Hubbard and his collaborators decided to announce Dianetics in Campbell's astounding science fiction instead. Um, in an editorial, Campbell said, Its power is almost unbelievable. It proves the mind not only can, but does rule the body completely. Following the sharply defined basic laws set forth, physical ills such as ulcers, asthma, and arthritis can be cured, as can all other psychosomatic ills. Oh, this sounds... I, I mean... I... I was kind of like, it's it's a bit of fun, but now it's sounding a bit dangerous. It's only no, going to get cute. worse. No, just you're, oh, you're sick, it's your fault. It's only going to get worse. Think better. Yeah. That's, we can uh, fix your your brain. That's getting a bit dicey. Mm. Everything you've said before has been totally okay. Fine. A Hubbard Dianetics Research Foundation was established in April 1950 in Elizabeth, New Jersey, with Hubbard, Betty, Winter and Campbell on board on the board of directors. Um, Hubbard called Dianetics a milestone for man, comparable to his discovery of fire and superior to his invention of the wheel and the arch. So, Elrond is claiming to have invented those, invented those three things. No, he's just saying it's better than that. Oh, I was like, this is a great invention, better than my previous inventions. Yeah, no. You got fire, the wheel, and the arch. This is better. Would you, would you put the arch up there no, with fire and the wheel? No, that's why I it was weird. He's just, he's been watching play school or something. He's like, all right, here's the three windows. We've got the circle. It's like a wheel. Mm-hmm. we got the, got the square. Ra- yep. Obviously fire. <laughs> fire pit. And the arch. Ah, oh, now what could the arch be? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's doing. No. <laughs> oh. So Dianetics was an immediate commercial success and it sparked a nationwide cult of incredible proportions. By August of 1950, Hubbard's book had sold 55,000 copies, was selling at a rate of 4,000 a week, and was being translated into French, German, and Japanese. 500 Dianetics auditing groups had been set up across the United States. Wow, it took off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though people would have read about it in a magazine that has fiction in the title. Yep. So it was poorly received by the press. Also science. So, you know, focus on the science. Yeah, focus on science. So, Dianetics, it was, it was quite poorly received by the press and the scientific and medical professions. The American Psychological Association criticized Hubbard's claims as not supported by empirical evidence. Scientific American said that Hubbard's book contained more promises and less evidence per page than any publication since the invention of printing. Oh, that's... <laughs> Such a good review. That's a great review. I love you that. You just take, take that out of context. More promises per page, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah, there you That's go. That's on the poster. Than any other publication since the invention of printing. Like promises are good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love promises. <laughs> oh. Wow. Per page. Uh, and then we'll, yeah, one day we'll uh, make you a really nice sandwich. Ooh. Ooh. Can okay. I just ask uh, your new book, what's the PPP promises per page? <laughs> We offer 500 promises per page. Wow, 500 PPPP. That is quite a lot of promises. That's a lot of promises. It's just a list of promises in that book. In very small font. I promise, I promise this. That's what it is. Um, The New Republic called it a bold and immodest mixture of complete nonsense and perfectly reasonable common sense taken from long-acknowledged findings and disguised and distorted by a crazy newly invented terminology. (laughs) That's great. Um, some of Hubbard's fellow science fiction writers also criticised it. Isaac Asimov considered it gibberish, while Jack Williamson called it a lunatic revision of Freudian psychology. How interesting! I so love even it. at the time, it's always people sort were of like been, bullshit, being seen as a bit silly. Yeah. Although you are reading a very, like I think our Scientologist listeners would say that you're reading a very biased 
report. How dare you? I try to be balanced obviously, in everything I obviously do. Obviously, later in the show, you're going to do the pro side. Of course, side. I am. Yep. You've got to present both sides. You do. That's what we were ter- taught. That's what we were taught in journalism school. <laughs> taught in journalism school. I didn't know you studied in Germany. Yeah, I did. Why? Well, German did broken, <laughs> broken German. Did some exchange. Broken English. Broken journal. Broken journal. Were you going to say something? The thing about journalism. <laughs> 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 I thought your impression sounded Irish. <laughs> the thing about the thing about journalism, we were taught at this school. What is that? <laughs> I can only say ting and taught. No more questions. Cathedral. Who is this? Is this Michael Caine? Oh, Michael Caine. <laughs> oh, the no. thing about it is the thing about Michael Caine. The thing about my Michael Caine impression. <laughs> Please do good. Thank you. Um, although Dianetics was not cheap, a great many people were nonetheless willing to pay. Financial controls were lax. Hubbard himself withdrew large sums with no explanation of what he was doing with it. From his business. From his business. On one occasion, uh, he was seen taking a lump sum of $56,000 out of uh, the Los Angeles Foundation's proceeds. One of Hubbard's employees, Helen O'Brien, commented that um, the Elizabeth, New Jersey branch of the foundation, at, the, at that um, branch, the books showed that the month's income was $90,000. But only twenty thousand dollars were accounted for, so he's just just taken, oh. just withdrawing. Obviously, for the sake of the business, guys. What are you assuming? Well, he, well, I assume he's taking that money and saving lives with it. Well, yeah, absolutely, with his Dianetics. Yeah, I'm just buying some more Dianetics for the poor. Yeah, everybody needs them. I bought twenty thousand dollars worth of Dianetics and I gave it to that guy over there, my business partner, who's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're the ones sitting on a gold throne. Yeah. Yeah, he needed it. He needed it. He needed it. And he was. You know, and I'm. I'm here to help. He was gonna die. He he was. The the antidote for his sickness was gold throne. And yeah. look at him. Look at him now. Look, look at him living. Look how alive he is. <laughs> He's cured. He's got a case of the alives. Yeah. Over there. Anyway, so he Hubbard played a very active role in the Dianetics boom. He was writing, lecturing, and training auditors. Uh, many of those who knew him spoke of being impressed by his personal charisma. He must be charismatic. Yeah. I've got to say that. Like he all cult be. leaders, Jack Horner, who became a Dianetics auditor in 1950, later said, he was very impressive, dedicated and amusing. The man had tremendous charisma. You just wanted to hear every word he had to say and listen for any pearl of wisdom. Just, Much just, like Matt. I was about to say, just stop describing Matt. Go back to Elrond. He had, <gasps> Elrond has red hair and green eyes. <gasps> Matt has red hair and, and blue eyes. eyes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm the second coming. You are... Oh, of Elrond. Charismatic. And I just want to hear every pearl of wisdom okay. out of that beautiful, hairy mouth. Okay. You were also seen stealing $50,000 from this podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even have that much money. No, yeah. no, we're in a lot of debt. <laughs> yeah, oh shit. Oh, oh, sorry, I've meant to bring that up. Yeah, we're in a lot of trouble. Anyway, so Hubbard's supporters soon uh, began to have doubts about Dianetics. Even Winter became disillusioned. Disillusioned. Disillusioned? You didn't get much of that right. Dis. Disillusioned. Disillusioned. Okay, nailed it. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Oh, no. Fuck off, Matt. I'm the heel. Just little, just little Dave in the corner. You nailed it. You're doing so well. I love you. That's the subtext. Um, so Winter wrote that he had never seen a single convincing clear, as in curing someone. Didn't this guy say that everyone was clear a second ago? Yeah. No, this is so that was Campbell who was telling Winter, and now Winter was like, "I'm on," but now he's kind of like, "Oh, hang on." 
Um, so then he said, I've seen some individuals who are supposed to have been clear, but their behaviour does not conform to the definition of the state. Moreover, an individual supposed, uh, supposed to have been clear has undergone a relapse into conduct, which suggests psychosis. So basically it was like, hang on a second, maybe this isn't actually working. Dianetics lost a lot of public credibility in August of 1950 when a presentation by Hubbard before an audience of 6,000 people in Los Angeles failed disastrously. Oh boy. What happened? What happened was he introduced a clear named Sonia Bianca and told the audience that as a result of undergoing Dianetic therapy, she now possessed perfect recall. However, in the demonstration that followed, she (laughs) failed to remember a single formula in physics, the subject in which she was majoring, or the colour of Hubbard's tie when his back was turned. (laughs) Simpsons again? I'm not really wearing a tie at all. A red and white striped tie in a a Windsor nut. That is so embarrassing. And at that well, forget point... Forget that stuff. Forget that. Let's, let's, just, let's, let's start with something simpler. What colour tie am I wearing, everyone? She'll, she'll get this. It's blue. <laughs> okay, what colour tie? Oh. Sophie, what, what colour tie am I wearing? Grey? Oh, oh, fuck. It's a blue... It's a blue-grey. It is a blue... How would you wrap it up? Oh. Anyway, um... You'd run you your helicopter and... <laughs> Sorry, this one didn't... Come, this one didn't take... Cut it, cut it loose. At that point, a large part of the audience got up and left. Did he start shooting everyone there? Yeah. I'm afraid you Man. will all have to die. Jesus. You would... Uh, it'd be hard to... Uh, would you leave then or would you be like, oh, shit, what's happening next? This is about to go off. Oh, yeah, man, I no. could not... But he was so away. charismatic. Like, that kind of guy probably could still, like, hold some people. Like, he'd yeah. keep saying, yeah. Obviously, there are, you know, there, sorry, this is, there are some issues today. Um, yeah, for sure. She fucked it. Um, <laughs> this is an ask. You know what? Like, we can help you, but you have to want to yeah, be helped. Yeah, you got to want it. And she didn't she, want it. She didn't want it enough. Yeah. Sophie has clearly committed a Sonia. lot of crimes when she was asleep. So her brain is like fucked. Yeah. So I'm giving up on her. Only, I've never given up on someone before, but yeah. she is the opposite of clear. She is opaque inside that mind. We'll only work with good people. Sophie is a bad person. Her name's not Sophie. You've both just gone for Sophie. <laughs> I started. Uh, my memory is also being clouded. Uh, I couldn't remember the woman's. Imagine that. Sophie, what colour's my tie? My name's Sonia. Oh, she doesn't even remember her name. <laughs> just sweat beating She's on broken. Elrond's face. is just like, he'd be drenched in sweat. And his hair starts to look like devil's horns. Our yeah. uh, flames superimposed. <laughs> Simpsons again. Uh, the collapse of Hubbard's marriage to Betty also created yet more problems. Um, he'd begun an affair with his 20-year-old... In the marriage. In the marriage. You no, know, in life. He'd begun an affair with his 20-year-old public relations assistant. Jeez, they're all about 20, aren't they, when they start? Mm. Well, Sarah had also started a relationship with uh, one of the Dianetics auditors, Miles Hollister. Now, Hubbard secretly denounced the couple to the FBI in March of 1951, portraying them in a letter as communist infiltrators. According to Hubbard, Betty was currently intimate with uh, communists, but evidently under coercion. Drug addiction set in fall 1950. Nothing of this was known to me until a few weeks ago. So he's just accusing her of all this stuff. So she's been a, been a 
bit red this whole time, and he's just realised. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. So he sent it to them like, these guys are dangerous. And the FBI did not take him seriously. Wait, wait so are you L. Ron Hubbard? <laughs> the batshit crazy guy? <laughs> yeah, thanks for your letter. We heard about your tie. Well. But I don't get it. Like, all the, your, everything you're saying makes him sound like he's quite... Like, quite clearly, it's so obvious to everyone that he's he's sort of a very confident shyster, right? But why, like, some of the, the top Hollywood stars, how do they get in there? I don't know. Well, I mean, a lot of them start as children, that's the thing. I think nearly everyone starts as children, Jess. Well, babies more accurately, but... <laughs> Matt, what's my face? I'm not going to say what I'm thinking, and I think you know. What's this face saying? Uh, in how many words... Five. Hey, mate. Good to <laughs> see. Oh, it's just, yeah, just thinking about how good sight is. That's C- true. Cop that, Elrod. Yeah. I imagine two of the words would mean fuck off, get fucked, suck a fuck. You're a? Motherfucking gun. Piece of shit. Piece of is. shit. You're a piece of shit. Um... I've never heard, never heard of that phrase. We say it to each other. Constantly. Shut up, you piece of shit. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, actually, um, an FBI agent annotated, like, on so on this letter that uh, Hubbard had sent to them, he sort of made a note. It just says, appears mental. <laughs> so, that's good. He got an F. Bit mental. He, He's a bit so, mental. he got marked by the FBI guy and got an F on his letter to the FBI. Yep. That is old school language. FBI. Bit mental. Three weeks later, Hubbard and two Foundation staff seized Betty and their two-year-old daughter, Alexis, and forcibly took them to San Bernardino in California, where he attempted unsuccessfully to find a doctor to examine her and declare her insane. <laughs> he let... Uh, he, did I say Sarah then? It's, I mean, that's her name, but... Betty. 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 You've said, yeah, you've, Same you've lady. been switching. I know, sorry. He let her go, and uh, but he took Alexis, their daughter, to Cuba... Um, Betty eventually filed for a divorce um, that accused him of marrying her bigamously and subjecting her to sleep deprivation, beating, strangulation, kidnapping. Oh, no. Like, awful things, right? The case led to the newspaper headlines such as, Ron Hubbard insane, says his wife. Great headline. In tiny text, says great, his wife. Great headline. Betty finally secured the return of her daughter in 1951 by agreeing to a settlement with her husband in which she signed a statement written by him declaring, The things I have said about L. Ron Hubbard in courts and the public prints have been grossly exaggerated or entirely false. I have not at any time believed otherwise than that L. Ron Hubbard is a fine and brilliant man. Oh, my God. Written in someone else's handwriting, signed by me. Yeah. Quite Sounds... literally written by him. Is this the Grub one? This does sound a little grubby. No, the... Grub was the first wife. Oh, Grub's gone. Grub's gone. She's long gone. Probably lucky Grub. Yeah, lucky. What a lucky Grub. What a lucky Grub. Um, Dianetics appeared to be on the edge of total collapse. Right, so they're they're losing a lot of um, a lot of. So it's not called Scientology yet. Not yet. Still Dianetics. So it's it's not even a religion yet. Not now a religion. It's, it's a, a what do you call it? A faux science. A faux. A science. A science. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's a, yeah, I guess just calling it a faux science. There's a term for that. I can't think of what it is. Bullshit? Bullshit, that's it. <laughs> it's bullshit. Bullshit. For weak people, that's what it is. Oh. <laughs> Don't blame the people. No, blame them. So, oh, it's on the edge of collapse. It was saved by a guy called Don Purcell. He was a millionaire businessman and uh, and he was quite into the Dianetics as well. And he agreed, agreed to support a new foundation 
in Kansas. Um, so their collaborate, collaboration ended after less than a year when they fell out over the future direction of Dianetics. So they disagreed on that. Didn't last very long. Um, the Wichita Foundation that Don was involved with became financially non-viable after a court ruled that it was liable for the unpaid debts of its defunct predecessor in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Uh, so that meant that Purcell and the other directors of that foundation filed for voluntary bankruptcy in Feb of 1952. So they got involved, then had to file... Had for, to pay someone else's bill. Had to file for bankruptcy. Oh, no. Hubbard resigned immediately and accused Purcell of having been bribed by the American Medical Association to destroy Dianetics. He established a Hubbard College... Big pharma. ...on the other side of town where he continued to promote Dianetics while fighting Purcell in the courts over the foundation's intellectual property. It's such a mess. Only six weeks after setting up the Hubbard College and marrying a staff member... Who was 20? 18-year-old Mary oh, Sue Whip. Soon to be 20. <laughs> He's thought, look, when I, I keep marrying these 20-year-olds, but soon after they're not 20 anymore. Uh, what if I do? There's an idea. Get in a bit earlier. Yeah. Then you've got a whole couple of years before you... Mm-hmm. You get the full year of 20. If you marry them before mm. January 1st, that's if they're born on that date, um, I've just realised, they turn 20 by December 31st, you get a new one. Mm. That seems reasonable. That seems reasonable. <laughs> I think that's fair. I've, that's, I've that's always a, said that. That's, that's my dating regime. Yeah. That's your dating regime. That's your mantra. <laughs> Find someone born on January 1st. Yeah. Date them. January 31st. Out you go. Date and ditch them. January 31st. Yeah. So 30 days later. 30-day money-back guarantee on my next boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think that's fair. It works. So six weeks after he set up this college, he closed it down and moved with his new bride to Phoenix, Arizona. He established... Is he, is he trying to live in all 50 states? He's trying. He's working his way. He established a Hubbard Association of Scientologists International to promote his new science of certainty, Scientology. Here it is, baby. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that the catchphrase? Yeah. Here it is, baby. Here it is, baby. <laughs> That's how I present it to babies. The church of Scientology. <laughs> Here it is, baby. Hands them a piece of paper with a pamphlet. The, uh, the Church of Scientology attributes its genesis to Hubbard's discovery of a new line of research that man is most fundamentally a spiritual being. Um, Non-Scientologist writers have suggested alternative motives, that he aimed to reassert control over his creation, that he believed he was about to lose control of Dianetics, or that he wanted to ensure he would be able to stay in business even if the courts eventually awarded control of Dianetics to its uh, to Don Purcell. So he's like kind of starting something different, but it's basically the same thing. Rebrand. Uh, yeah. Like when I call this podcast Do Go Ron. Exactly. It's the same, but it's different. Mm. Um, now, I won't go into too much detail about like the, the background and the beliefs of Scientology because as an outsider, it's very difficult to understand any religion. Like I went through Catholic primary school and high school and if you asked me to talk for a, a, like talk on the podcast about Christianity or Catholicism, I'd be like, um, okay, so you got a, a, a God and he's got... Think of it like a three-leaf clover. Think of it like a trinity. Mm-hmm. That they mentioned that a bit. Um, it's like it's kind of like this podcast. This is blasphemy for sure. But yep. so father, do go on is son, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Okay, that, so we're th- I was the son. We're both three, way. but we're also one podcast all at once. Yeah. You see? Do you understand? And we're now? omnipresent. Yep. Um, Scientology was organized in a very different way from um, the Dianetics movement. So the Hubbard Association of Scientologists was 
the only official Scientology organization. Training procedures and doctrines were standardized and promoted through their publications, and administrators and auditors were not permitted to deviate from Hubbard's approach. So they had branches, sort of like franchises, like a fast food restaurant. They had people... Franchise holders were required to pay 10% of income to Hubbard's central organization. It's not too bad. They were expected to find new recruits known as raw meat, gross, and were restricted to providing only basic services. The more costly, high-level auditing was only provided by Hubbard's central organization. So it's sort of like a like a sub-branch. Yeah. So I'll check your oil, but I won't change your transmission. There we go. Wow, Dave, what a manly kind of... Mm-hmm. Response from you. I went there. Name I, some I, other car things. Spanner. <laughs> Monkey wrench for our American listeners, I believe. Uh, I, it's funny that he was thinking about it in, in, in those terms, because I was thinking about it at like a Tupperware lady. Oh, interesting. Okay. You go around like, that's, is that like, how oh, that works? Oh, great. Yeah, okay. And they go around, they have little parties. She works for set. them. Yeah. She represents them. She can But sell. she she, work, she runs her own, her own gig. Yeah, yeah. I she, say Tupperware lady. could be Tupperware... Any Fella. kind, any kind of those. Any kind of human. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you'll get makeup ones that will come to your house. Avis lady. Avis lady. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. Or Avon man. Avon. Avis, Avis is, is a car, car rental. <laughs> Avon lady. Avis. Door to door. Door to door. Would you like to rent a car today? <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> Carry on then. No, oh, I uh, live here, and you can see my car is right car. there. Oh, okay, but right. this car is worse than yours. <laughs> and and it's I'm, only sixty five dollars. Yeah, a day. I'm going to charge you quite a bit, and then when you bring it back. I'm going to say there's a dent on it that wasn't there before. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> um, although this model would eventually be extremely successful, Scientology was a very small-scale movement at first. Um, Hubbard started off with only a few dozen followers. Generally, they were dedicated Dionysists. Well, well, I mean, any religion, when you think about it, it had to start with just a few, didn't it? Yeah, of course. Mm. Of course. Yeah, um, Islam, Buddhism, Hindus, Hinduism, they all started with just a... Which is crazy when you think about some of the major ones where it's like, yeah, yeah. a quarter of the people in the entire world yeah, now believe that. Yeah, someone's that's idea. Amazing, isn't just it? someone's idea. Um, he was joined in Phoenix by his now 18-year-old son, Nibs. Who, um, Nibs, you've come of age. Can we call him Nibbler? <laughs> Little Nibs. Nibbler. Um, Nibs was unable to settle down in I high school, apparently. And, uh, and he decided to become a Scientologist and he moved into his father's home and went on to become a Scientology staff member and a professor. Um, of Scientology. Hubbard also travelled to the United Kingdom to establish his control over a Dianetics group in London. Um, in 53, he acquired a doctorate. This is so good. He acquired a doctorate from the unaccredited Sequoia University. According to a Scientology biography, this was given in recognition of his outstanding work on Dianetics and as an inspiration to the many people who had been inspired by him to take up advanced studies in this field. The British government concluded in the 70s that Sequoia University was a degree mill operated by Joseph Hoff, a Los Angeles chiropractor. <laughs> there was a there was a telegram sent by Hubbard in 53 in which he instructed Scientologist Richard DeMille to produce to procure him a PhD from Hoff urgently and it's all in capitals it says for gosh sakes expedite work here utterly dependent on it. Hoff's university was closed down by the Californian authorities in 1971. British government officials noted in a report written in 1977 it has not and never had any authority whatsoever to issue diplomas or degrees, and the dean is sought by authorities for questioning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that crusty old dean. <laughs> you know what the questions are? Take your pants off, please. 
<laughs> that wasn't a that wasn't even a question. <laughs> Take your pants. You know what the questions were? Take your pants off, please. <laughs> <laughs> Not firstly, it's not questions no. or question. No, but I think I nailed it. Good job. That's Improv. Why I was arrested. Improv. Yeah. Improv. Marcel Massa. <laughs> people, people started to question his uh, accreditation as a dean when he couldn't say a question. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have an English do- doctorate? Um, take your pants off, please. I'm the dean around here. <laughs> so a few weeks after becoming doctor. Uh, he wrote to Helen O'Brien, who had taken over the day-to-day management of Scientology in the United States, and he proposed that Scientology should be transformed transformed into a religion. O'Brien was not enthusiastic and resigned the following September, saying she was worn out by work. She criticised Hubbard for creating a temperate zone voodoo, um, a mindless group euphoria. Uh, he nonetheless... Pressed ahead, and on December 18, 1953, he incorporated the Church of Scientology, Church of American Science, and Church of Spiritual Engineering in Camden, New Jersey. Hubbard, his wife Mary Sue, and his secretary, John Galusha, great name, became the trustees of all three corporations. Hubbard later denied denied founding the Church of Scientology, and to this day, Scientologists maintain that the founding church was actually the Church of Scientology in California, which was established in 1954 by Scientologist Burton Farber. So I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Um, He doesn't want credit for it. That's interesting. Yeah. Scientology franchises became churches of Scientology, and some auditors began dressing as clergymen complete with clerical collars. If they were arrested in the course of their activities, Hubbard advised they should sue for massive damages for molesting a man of God going about his business. I don't know if that's a charge. If anybody hassles Very you, just specific. sue them. Just sue them. A few years later, he told Scientologists, if attacked on some uh, vulnerable points by anyone or anything or any organisation, always find or manufacture enough threat against them to cause them to sue for peace. Don't ever defend. Always attack. <laughs> Sounds very religious. Yeah. Um, by the start of the 60s, Hubbard was a leader of a worldwide movement with thousands of followers. A decade later, however, he left St. Mill Manor and moved aboard his own private fleet of ships as the Church of Scientology faced worldwide controversy. He's taken to the seas. <laughs> when no one can touch Ahoy! me. This is kind of fun. This is going to make you very proud to live where we live. I guess, if you've made assumptions in, about Scientology. In, in this studio. In this studio, in our bunk beds. In the bunk beds. Scientology attracted increasing unfavourable publicity across the English-speaking world. It faced particular hostility in Victoria, Australia, <gasps> where, it, where it was accused of brainwashing, blackmail, extortion, and damaging the mental health of its members. And the career of Kate Sobrano. Yeah, we, we will not have Kate Sobrano I lost those bedroom eyes. I must admit, there's no surprise. Thank you. Is that Kate Sobrano? As far as I know. What's that? Is that called Bedroom Isn't that her only song? I don't know. Oh, not, sorry, Kate. Sorry if you're listening. She's listening. Obviously, you've got many songs. I mean, in the in the sense of that is the only song. You need. Ever. Ever. In my eyes. Oh, I see. In your bedroom, my bedroom eyes. eyes. yeah. Yes. They're very. Very good. Sounds very like a cry good. for help, doesn't it? I, those bedroom eyes. Eyes, Someone I please help me. me. I, I am, am trapped, trapped on board a ship a with fleet. a man who wrote science fiction books. <laughs> Have so you ever catchy. heard that song before? No. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> Can you I don't think I know who Kate Sobrano is. Huh. Oh, all right. Interesting. Please do go on. <laughs> 
The Victorian state government established a board of inquiry into Scientology in November of 63. Its report, published the following October, condemned every single aspect of Scientology and Hubbard himself. He was described as being doubt of doubtful sanity and displaying a strong indication of paranoid schizophrenia with delusions of grandeur. Go, go Victoria. The report led to Scientology being banned in Victoria, Western Australia and South Australia, and led to more negative publicity around the world. What what year was this? That was in the 65. A good year. Oh, interesting. Um, no, 65. That, yeah, that's funny. So there was a time where Victoria banned religions. Yeah. Well... I don't know if they, well, yeah, yeah, they did. But I'm get, thinking at the time they were sort of going, mm, it's not a religion. Right. Um, it's it's interesting too because then he travelled to the southern African country Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe. That is correct. Thank you. And looked I was in, just going to say Zimbabwe. And looked into setting up a base there at a hotel. Um, despite his attempts to, uh, to win over the local government, uh, he was asked to leave the country. <laughs> can oh. you please leave? Can you just not? <laughs> oh, he goes in, does a big presentation. He, he, it's apparently, uh, it says he like hand delivered champagne to the prime minister, oh, and the prime minister didn't want to see him. So brutal. Hand delivered yeah. champagne. Yeah. What well, you just walk into the prime minister's bedroom with the champagne, and Hello. he just goes, please leave. please leave. So they they. Re- so, all right, I'm leaving that. Not the house, the country. They re- well, they refused to renew his visa, so he kind of had to leave. And then in '68, the British the British Minister of Health announced that foreign Scientologists would no longer be permitted to enter the UK, and Hubbard himself was excluded from the country as an undesirable alien. Further inquiries that gave him an idea. <laughs> oh my god, I got to incorporate this. And then further inquiries were launched in Canada, New Zealand, and South Africa. So he's not all that welcome anywhere. Um, after Hubbard created, uh, after all this. Hubbard created the Sea Org fleet in early 1967 and it began an eight-year voyage sailing from port to port in the Mediterranean Sea and the eastern North Atlantic. The um, fleet travelled around. Uh, They rarely stayed anywhere for longer than six weeks. His personal assistant at the time later recalled, Hubbard said we had to keep moving because there were a lot... There were so many people after him. If they caught up with him, they would cause him so much trouble that he would be unable to continue his work. Scientology would not get in the world and there would be social and economical chaos. Get if, in the world. If, if not... Get in. If get not. in. Everyone, come on, just get the... Oh. Give me five. Hubbard, uh, he said he publicly declared that he'd relinquished his management responsibilities of, of Scientology. That's classic uh, religion speak. But, I mean, they're still... Uh, relinquished management. Yeah, he's still getting... I've given up management. He's still getting daily updates of what's happening and they're transferring him money and making sure that there's, like, food. That sounds good. Deli- luxury food delivered to the boat and... Luxury food. Luxury food. <laughs> Name them. Lobster. Lobster, that's a luxury food. Uh, what Caviar. Else Caviar, luxury food. Champagne. 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 Champagnons. And lasagne. Lasagne is Garfield's a luxury favorite. food. Expensive chocolates. Chocolates. Expensive chocolates. Uh, really expensive chocolates. Uh, a box of expensive chocolates. Oh. Uh, like a rare, a, a rare gorilla sautéed in, you know, an even rarer gorilla's piss. <laughs> <laughs> Very luxurious. Luxurious. <laughs> And delish, deluxury. Oh, boy. Um, you know how to live like a cult leader. Scientologists around the world were presented with this glamorous picture of the life on the sea, and many applied to join Hubbard aboard the fleet. 
Um, what they found would was rather different from the image that they were presented with. Most of those joining had no nautical experience at all. Mechanical difficulties and blunders by the crew led to a series of embarrassing incidents and near disasters. Um, following one incident in which the rudder of the Royal Scotsman was damaged during a storm, Hubbard ordered the ship's entire crew to be reduced to a condition of liability and wear grey rags tied to their arms. The ship itself was treated the same way, with dirty tarps tied around... Um, it's funnel to symbolise its lower status. Um, according to those aboard, um, conditions were appalling. The crew were worked to the point of exhaustion. They were given really small rations. They were forbidden to wash or change their clothes for several weeks. He maintained this really harsh disciplinary regime aboard the fleet, um, punishing mistakes by confining people to the Royal Scotman's uh, uh, lower deck. So imprisoning them. Imprisoning them without toilet facilities and without food provided. Oh boy. Um, it's taking uh, a real weird turn. Other times, they he would get crew members thrown overboard and he would just watch on. Sometimes he would film it. What is going on? I have no idea. And action! <laughs> <laughs> Good. This is fun. From about 1970, Hubbard was attended aboard ship by the Children of Sea Org members, organised a uh, as the Commodore's Messenger Organisation. And basically they were mainly young girls dressed in hot pants and halter tops who were responsible for running errands for Hubbard. What sort of errands do you think they might be running? I guess getting getting luxury foods. Mm-hmm. Or... Lighting his cigarette? Yeah, lighting his cigarette. That's an errand they were running that's for That's an him. errand. Dressing him. Rel- I'm under the pump today. Yeah, now when I write down a list of things, number one, get a cigarette. Light it. No, no, That's no. number two. Oh, no, I know. I'm, I'm listing. Sorry, sorry. Number three. Call, yeah. call the bank. <laughs> call the number, bank. Number four. Light another cigarette whilst you're still on the phone to the bank. Because you're that cool. And then number six. Call it a day. That's a big day. That's a big day. Elrond. I've been running errands all day. I'm bloody... I'm pooped. Elrond's. In, uh... <laughs> My list of Elrond's. <laughs> In February of 1980, he disappeared into deep cover in the company of two uh, trusted messengers. Messengers 20, being like twenty-year-old followers. No, women. Pat and Anne Broker. Oh. Um. So for the for the next uh, I don't know what. for oh, the first few years Pat of the eighties, I don't know Anne. Pat and Anne were getting involved. Oh, Pat and Anne, they're family friends of ours <laughs> from down the road. So for no kidding. For a few years in the early eighties, Hubbard and the Brokers lived on the move, touring the Pacific Northwest. In a uh, recreational vehicle. It's a great TV name, by the way. Hubbard. And the Brokers. And the Brokers. Good band name. Yeah. Uh, they lived in a while, uh, lived for a while in apartments um, in Newport Beach and in Los Angeles. Ah, um, the He used his time in hiding to write his first new works of science fiction for nearly 30 years. They were called Battlefield Earth and Mission Earth. That's a better film. Ah, that's the big flop. Widely regarded as one of the worst Most films of all time. There you go. Why? Um, it, it sucks. Right. I saw it when I was 10 and I thought, what is going on? Oh, it's just confusing. Yeah. And just shit. Confusing and shit. That's the double. That's the review. Um, for the for the last two years of his life, Hubbard lived in a luxury Bluebird motorhome on Whispering Winds, a 160-acre ranch near Creston, California. He remained in deep hiding while controversy raged in the outside world about whether he was still alive, and if so, where. <laughs> so, so he's in a motorhome. No, now he's. This is this is. I fast forwarded a little while because it, there's just so much. But I've I've just sort of jumped ahead to the last few years of his life. Um. Uh, he spent his time writing and researching, according to a spokesperson, and he pursued photography and music 
overseeing construction works and checking on his animals. He repeatedly redesigned the property, spending millions of dollars remodeling the ranch house, which went virtually uninhabited, and building a quarter-mile horse racing track with an observation tower, which was never used. But if I had had millions, like the first thing I would do is obviously a racing track. Mm. I would have gone observational tower and then go, what do I want to observe? Race. Quarter mile, I reckon. Quarter mile. Quarter mile. You you must. Mm. Oh, you must. Um, That is really weird behavior. Do you have horses? No. It was was never used. It was never used. He was checking in on his animals as well. I like that. Which animals? Yep, still there. Yep. Yep. Hey, cat. Yep, still a cat. Still cool? You cool? (laughs) <laughs> cool cat. All right. Stay cool. <laughs> then he gave him a, chucked him a shaka. Yeah. Rigid. Rigid. Shit cat's got to wear rags. Yeah. You're shit. a shit cat. Put the rag on. <laughs> Put it on. <laughs> Don't make me ask you three times. I'm going to throw you Do I ask you a third time? That's the second rag. Three times again. Third rag. Three again. How many rags do you want to wear? Oh, yeah. I've got one cat out the back. I've got plenty to, I've got all day. 58 rags. <laughs> it died, died of suffocation. Oh. Rag suffocation. Um, Hubbard suffered further ill health. Um, he had pancreatitis. What? He should have just cleared his fucking head. Well, he should have. Oh, no. He's getting a muggy brain. He's, he suffered a stroke on the 17th of January in 1986, and he died a week later. Should have cleared his head. Mm. Um, How old was he? 75? Ish. Yes. Yeah. Well done, Dave. Yeah. Something, I mean, like for someone who claims that they can cure anything, it's not that long a lifespan. Right. All right, mate. It was a different time. That's a, that's a, I mean, it was, it was, Matt was fucking born. You'd be lucky to live to 75. I'd call that a good innings. Yeah, I'd say it's a good innings. This is the Messiah? What, has he ever called himself the Messiah? Dave, come on, mate. He's just a psychologist. He's just a man going He's about his business. just a man business. trying to help people. Now, his body was... He's just a man standing in front of another man telling him that he should think his cancer away. <laughs> bit I promise um so, so he did he did pass away in 86 and his body was cremated and the ashes were scattered at sea um Scientology leaders announced that his body had become an impediment to his work and that he decided to drop his body and continue his research on another planet having learned how to do it without a body <laughs> I have learned and with that I finish my report oh that is very that's oh. a big finish yeah I just dropped my body I've dropped my body. I've learned how to do, to live without it. You know how I figured it out? Don't need it. I built a quarter mile racetrack. <laughs> this is what he was doing as I was learning. And then I was like, oh, I think I'm getting the hang of this. Oh, hang on a second. I hardly use my body for this at all. My soul flattened off a lot of that land. <laughs> well, I didn't use my body. I used many other bodies. Slave but labor. I direct, but... directed it. Directed them with my soul. With my mind. Hmm. Well, there's only one way to finish off an episode about a cult, and that is to thank our cult followers that support mm-hmm. the show through Patreon. Patreon.com slash DoGoOnPod. Every little cent that people chip in keeps the uh, show going, and we appreciate that a lot. And, and saves your soul. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't see it as a cult at all. I see it as a, a, a way into an afterlife, and we promise you... Um, we promise you yeah. that. Promise but, you that. That's a promise. For $5 or more per month, we guarantee you a place in the afterlife. Uh, you know, immortalise in, in in name. What on... type of what type of dollar figure can you put on that guarantee? Well, five plus. Yeah, five yeah. plus. 
And that's very reasonable. If you want to take your chance of the two, one or zero, Ugh. I don't think so. But we also would like to read out some people that have guaranteed a place in the afterlife. Yes. Matt, would you like to... I'd love to start by, um, a, with a big thank you to one of my favourite listeners, often uh, corresponding via the Twitters. Uh, it's August James. Also, coincidentally, one of my top 12 favourite months. Interesting. Probably even higher than that, I'd say. Dave, I think I I love could... August because it's spring, start of spring. Not really. End of winter. Winter. That's right. I love those. I do love those uh, shoulder shoulder months. Do you also like it because Dave and I were born in that month and you just love celebrating our birthdays? Yeah. I love how you guys bang on about it all the time. August 1980. Jess on the 16th and Dave on the 23rd. (laughs) Of 1980? Oh, boy. Did I say that? Yeah. Oh, God. 1990. Oh, no. And we're the 26th and 28th. And aren't half of all months shoulder months? I mean... Every three months, it's a shoulder month. Yeah. Love them shoulder months. Anyway, thank you to August. Uh, Bloody legend. Absolute champion. Thank you very much. Um, I would also like to to send a, a shout-out and a thank you. And a guarantee. And a guarantee. Oh, sorry, yeah, of course. That's much more important than a shout-out. I must. Oh, I've got to stress this enough. Place in the you afterlife. get a shout-out and a place in the afterlife. Can't put a price on that. Five dollars plus. Welcome to the afterlife. <laughs> Well, we're, we're not, we haven't killed them. Oh, for fuck's sake. Sorry. Can I just get through a sentence? I In said, the afterlife, no one talks <laughs> over you. Welcome to the afterlife, Sarah Mahoney. Yeah, we're dead. We're dead, but it was worth we it. We were dead the whole time. We were dead the whole time. That is a twist. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> that for, is a twist. For listening and supporting the show. You are a lovely human you being. You are Mahoney Thank and Mahomey. Oh, very good. I just was not going to give you a pun, so I needed to Yeah, because I'm there. bad at it. We've discussed it. I'm so bad. I just want to genuinely say thank you, You're Mahoney and Mahoney. And, <laughs> and Mabroni. Ah, there you go. Well, hold the phone. Okay. Me. Look, because... I'm, I'm so close to dialing the number. No, but, Matt, no, hold it. Hold it, because okay. I've got to take a Cawley. A cat Macaulay. Very good. Is one uh, of our listeners, and no, I would like I'm to guarantee, that one. guarantee a place in the afterlife for you, Cat Macaulay. Thank you so much. With your pledge, you have guaranteed eternal happiness. Look, good for you. I I feel like I've got to stand up for Kat here. I think she deserves better than that. Better than eternal happiness. Yeah, she says with a yawn. Um, What's better than that? What's better than that? Um, Eternal happiness plus a you know a A jet ski, a jet ski, and a weekend away. Kat, you got a jet ski. Woo! <laughs> um, just contact Dave Warnicky. Yeah, at Dave Warnicky. You will have to pick it up. I am giving away a jet ski. <laughs> Haven't found a buyer on eBay. Interesting. Prepared to give it away to Cat Macaulay specifically. Specifically, wow. Okay, all right. Just give uh, Dave a an email or <laughs> or a Macaulay. No, no, no. <laughs> hey, yeah. We'll, we'll not give out his phone number. His, his phone number is <laughs> please, please. Don't. So thank you to. To you guys. Thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You do make the show happen. And if you pledge, uh, you can get our bonus rewards. We just released an episode uh, last week, a bonus one on Stockholm Syndrome. Very mm. fascinating. So if you want to hear that, pledge to patreon.com slash do go on pod. And of course, the Melbourne Comedy Festival is fast approaching us and we're all doing individual shows. We're also combining. to, to, to we're, Our forces combine. I, I am, am Captain, Captain Podcast. Oh. oh, God, that's good. Or, or Planet Broadcasting. I am Planet Broadcasting. Captain Planet Broadcasting. 
to you, Sonny. I am Captain Planet Broadcasting. Oh, boy. Well, this uh, is a hot finish to the show. We are, but we're doing it is, hot, it is so hot in here. We haven't mentioned that once today. I know. My friend, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of my ourselves. My friend Ollie just the other night said, if you guys mention on the podcast again how hot it is in that studio, I'm going to fucking unsubscribe. Ooh. And then we made a whole episode and Ooh. you said it in the last... Well, if that's still in, that's because you didn't edit I didn't it out. I didn't edit it out. Well, if people want to... Play... Ollie would love the shout out. I'm so conflicted now. <laughs> Ollie... Can you pay for air conditioning and then we will never... Yeah, we'll never whinge about it then, Ollie. We'll call this the uh, Ollie Studio. But for live shows at the Melbourne Comedy Festival on Sundays in April, the first four Sundays at 3.30. The first four Sundays? Yes. So all of them? Uh, there is a fifth one, Jess. It's the 30th of April. We're also giving, we're giving out free hugs at the <gasps> shows as well. Don't promise that. I'm giving out free hugs <laughs> at the shows. Uh... And also, as well as those shows, uh, Jess and I have got a few shows, stand-up shows coming up mm-hmm. uh, uh, in Stratford and Painesville in Victoria on the f- on Friday the 17th of March and Saturday the 18th of March. And then um, I'm going, Jess has bailed on this leg of the tour, but we're going to Canberra, Wollongong and Wagga Wagga with a sick lineup yes. of uh, some of our best and funniest mates uh, on Wednesday the 22nd of March in Canberra at the Comedy Festival there. Thursday, March 23rd, and Friday, 24th of March. Um, you can get details for all that at stupidoldstudios.com slash tour. Mm-hmm. Stupidoldstudios.com slash tour. Love to see you there. We'd love to see you there. I'm pointing at You're Jess. pointing at me. I'll be there. I she told will you I'll be, be there. To some of the gigs. To some of them. I had to bail so, on some because you put them on weekdays and I've got a job. Yeah, I've got a job and that's... Bringing the laughter. Okay, and so you'll go do that. I'm going to job in customer service. Well, my, <laughs> and my, that's bringing the service. My job is bringing the laughter was bringing you there and making them laugh. Oh, I see. Aww. Yeah, Matt is just a fa- He's transporting the laugh. He's going to drive yeah. me there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I have no direct uh, relationship with the laughter. Um, so I've kind of failed in my job by not getting you to Canberra, but that's okay. We've got a sick lineup. It's such a good lineup. Very good lineup. It's going to be great. Uh, you can get in contact with us at any time via Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's all at DoGoOnePod. And uh, email DoGoOnePod at gmail.com. And if you uh, want to look at the description of the episode, there's actually hyperlinks to all that stuff these days. So get involved. Also, the ticket link to our comedy festival show. And can I just say, by finishing, a lot of people have been sharing uh, stuff on Twitter and Facebook and tagging friends in posts. Mm-hmm. So if you think an episode, sp- maybe a topic specifically up someone's alley, they don't know about the show. It really does help us if you uh, share it around. And some people, they go, I don't know. I, I like the idea of podcasts. I've spoken to people. I've told, oh, I'll do a podcast. Oh, podcasts sound fun, but I just don't know how to get them. Some people just don't know, believe it or not. So do them a favor. Get out their app. Make them download a show. And uh, you can spread the love. And it would be also great to, uh, yeah, if you want to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever. That would be awesome. And just thank you. What about an honest rating? Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean if you think- An honest five-star rating. <laughs> if you're going to be more honest than that, don't please don't oh, waste God, anyone's don't. time. Yeah. Thank you. You get you get a nine out of ten. I like a nine out of ten in looks. And and Matt, still not sure what you're good at, but you're great <laughs> at something. I'm great at in really enjoying the reviews people write because they're fucking always so sweet. <laughs> so sweet. So Guys, sweet. I'm going to step in and say Dancing we've got to wrap it up right here. And moving to that beat. <laughs> that beat. <laughs> yeah. It's been it's been a There's lot of fun. There's a big bug. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, oh, Regina. S- yeah, there yeah. you go. You with me? Took me a while. I didn't get it, but because I'm trying to say thank you so much for listening to the episode. We'll be back next week with another report. Will it be the Simpsons episode? <laughs> Will it? <laughs> I'm going to so. hold my breath. <gasps> oh God, he'll be holding for a year. 
Goodbye. Laters. Bye. <sighs> oh, fuck. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.